Welcome to Tentpole Trauma, the podcast where we look at movies that came with hype and high hopes, but left with crushing disappointment, either critically, at the box office, or both. Freed from the weight of expectations, we seek to examine these underperformers under a new light, parsing through the good, the bad, and everything in between with the hopes of gaining a better understanding as to why they failed to find their audience. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we discuss Matrix Resurrections. Sebastian and I'm here with Chris. Hello, I still know Kung Fu. And welcoming back to the podcast, Rodney. Hello, thank you again for foolishly having me back. (laughs) We have reconvened this trio to discuss... Trinity, this Trinity. Oh, yes. Oh, this Trinity, of course. How could I have made that mistake? Start over. We have reconvened this Trinity to discuss... Matrix Resurrections, because the three of us discussed Matrix Revolutions just a few weeks ago, and this new Matrix movie came out, and it is tanking terribly. I'll just get the box office out of the way up front here, because this movie cost $190 million to make, and it is currently only at $34 million in the U.S. and $124 million worldwide. So if you're wondering why we're talking about this movie, it's pretty clear that no matter what happens from here on out, this is a box office bomb. In fairness, it was released also on HBO Max, so I'm sure a ton of people watched it there. This is true, but also Dune was released on HBO Max and did way better. There's been movies that have been released on HBO Max that have done well in the theater. How much did Dune make? Dune made $100 million. And just domestically. U.S. 
Yeah. Okay. Wait, really? Yeah, and it made like forty million opening weekend. This made like right. ten million opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Really bad. And for like a big franchise like this, or what should be a big franchise, it's bad. Those numbers are bad. There's no other way to paint it. But before we get into the podcast, we like to have Rodney, who is the co-host of the horror podcast Pod Forsaken. We like to have Rodney give a horror recommendation. Uh, what's your horror recommendation this episode, Rodney? Oh. Have you guys seen Triangle? No. Let's go see it. <laughs> Tell us about Triangle again, Rodney. <laughs> For those who don't get the joke, I always I always talk about Triangle. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm going to recommend a brand new movie. There's this Thai horror film called The Medium on Shudder. Have you heard of this? Nope. It's basically a, a mockumentary. And I use mockumentary, you know, it's a fake documentary. It's not a comedy. It's a straight horror film. And it's basically about a shaman in Thailand who starts to think that maybe a member of her family is possessed by some kind of spirit and has to like intervene. Mm-hmm. In many ways, you've kind of seen this film before, right? But it is just like, if you like possession movies, it's like expertly done. In fact, Thailand submitted it as their entry for best foreign film to the uh, Oscars. Wow. It was not selected. I'm not trying to imply, but Thailand got together and however they decide these things were like, I think our best film is this. Wow. It's like a co-production with South Korea and it premiered at like the South Korean Fantastic Fest where it won best film. Not just like best horror film, like it won the best film of the festival. Uh, it's on Shutter. I think this is totally worth everyone's time. Go check this movie out or watch the trailer and see if it's your jam. Cool. So the medium, right? The medium. Yeah. Anyway, it was great being on. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys. <laughs> Before we get into Matrix uh, Resurrections, just a little background about the movie. I mean, obviously, this is the fourth film in the Matrix saga. Uh, Warner Brothers has wanted to make a fourth Matrix film for the last 20 or so years, or at least since uh, 2003 when the last two Matrix movies came out. Obviously, the Wachowskis didn't want to do it. They wanted to make movies like Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas and uh, Jupiter Ascending. But finally, one of the Wachowskis decided that she would return to the Matrix, and that is Lana Wachowski. Now, she cites the death of her parents as the real impetus for making this movie. She said that when her parents died, she was going through this sort of emotional crisis, and she felt that bringing back the two characters that meant the most to her from the Matrix would help her to sort of get through her grief. So that was sort of why she decided to make the movie. At least that's the story. Lily, however, did not want to do the movie. Lily apparently has pretty much semi-retired from filmmaking and is now mostly a painter. And she was like, nope, don't want to go back to the Matrix. So there's only one Wachowski making this movie. Now, let me ask you guys this. Did you see this in the theater? No. I saw it on HBO Max streaming. I also saw it on HBO Max streaming. Rodney, did you see this in the theater? I did. Oh. So you'll probably have a little bit of a different perspective on this. Maybe some of the bigger sequences would have worked for you better. But you did watch it again on HBO Max, right? Yeah, I watched it in the theater. Uh, I think like either opening night or like on the, the night after it came out. All the showings were very crowded, but there happened to just be one screening at like a 1030 where it was empty. I think it's one of those things where the theater kept opening more screening rooms for it, right? And then they opened up one too many and they're just happy, like no one wanted to see that show. They're like, that guy Rodney's going to be at this one and everyone's like, fuck no, I'm going to the other one. <laughs> He's going to take his pants off again. <laughs> 
What was the crowd reaction? What was it like seeing it in the theater with a, like, a live audience? Well, that's what I'm saying. There were like eight people in the room with me. So like there wasn't much of a crowd reaction. It wasn't the opening night IMAX experience or anything. No, it, it didn't. There was none of like that people standing up and cheering. It, like I could have been in an empty room for all I, right. I know. There was there was some applause when the first like Matrix stuff started coming down the screen, you know, right. but for obvious reasons, it did not get a giant reaction at any given point, but I'm I'm glad we I'm glad I saw it on the big screen, and then I watched it a couple nights ago on HBO Max, so that I could be refreshed to talk about it with you guys. Now, beforehand, I think we were all feeling different degrees of excitement. We <laughs> talked about it on our Matrix Revolution podcast. You can go back and hear what some of our feelings were. Chris was very excited. He was thinking this was going to be the film of the year. We've known each other a long time, and you know how much I've been waving the flag for Avatar 2. Right. And you also know to take that with... A lot of salt. So, <laughs> yes. you know, I, I get hyperbolic about things and, you know, I, I enjoy the the hype before something comes out. And I was very excited about it. And something that was missing from this movie was present in their ad campaign where they kind of like, you know, they said, watch this. And then it incorporated the, like the time that you were watching it. You know, that first trailer that came out was a bit interactive. They're like, it's 3.30 in, right. in North Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Do right. you know that the Matrix is this? And just like the real fast, quick glimpses, it just kind of really made me feel like it was almost like new media or they were really doing something new with it, which really got me excited about where it was going. So I, I have to point that out to, you know, really hyping me up, um, especially that first shadowy glimpse trailers, which I always get very pumped when it's just that first trailer and then you see the <laughs> second and you see the third and you're like mm, the, the shadowy glimpses are always get you more pumped than when you actually see like the full you know full sequences sometimes so i'll just say that it's like you're starting to realize that the marketing team is intentionally trying to trick you into getting excited about the movie exactly yeah exactly <laughs> or it's like that first date with that with that really attractive girl and then all of a sudden you realize oh she doesn't like three's company and you're just like what what kind of monster are you and that's where you draw the line huh exactly <laughs> you want to go back to my place well hold on there where do you stand on Three's company? <laughs> exactly. Well, I hate it. Then we're done here. We're done. There's nothing else left to do. This may not have had anything new to add in that regard, but this is definitely a different kind of matrix, wouldn't you say? I mean, this is the meta matrix, right? This is the meta matrix, no doubt. And your mileage will vary on how much you enjoy the meta-ness of it, for sure. I think they did deliver something different and new. Did they? Yeah, I think you can argue against that. Well, well, we'll get to that. I'm just saying the trailer was cool. I, I give you that. I think you can play my sound clip back from the last episode, but I'm pretty sure I said I was cautiously optimistic, but overall leaning positive. I think that's where I came down. I was leaning positive due to the trailers and I was excited for it, but I was also expecting the worst. And uh, you could say that for my tastes, uh, I got it. I got what I expected in a lot of ways. <laughs> Why don't we just get into the movie and we'll sort of air our feelings as we go. Is that okay with you, gentlemen? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We should start with The Matrix 1, right? And work our <laughs> way through. <laughs> That took like two hours last time, right? I mean, like we didn't get to the third one until like an hour in. Isn't that what this movie is doing in a lot of ways anyway? I mean, I think we're going to pretty much do that yeah. in, in some ways. Good point. All right, go for it. 
starting right off, we kind of do that. We get our uh, scrolling green symbols matrix opening with the Warner Brothers logo. It's pretty cool. It's getting you in the mood. You've got those like swelling horns. So you're going back into the matrix. We're zooming into the lettering of Matrix Resurrections <laughs> and everything. So it's like my horn was swelling. My horn was swelling <laughs> big time. I had a big swelling horn. And the first scene is this sort of bizarre replay of the opening scene of the original Matrix. You know, SWAT team officers are closing in on what seems to be the character of Trinity, just like in the first movie. Only the twist here is that we are seeing it sort of from the side in a way because these new characters, one of whom and the only new character that even really rates any notice in this movie, Bugs, played by Jessica Henwick, are watching this scene and they're sort of trying to figure out what's going on. And what's going on is that they are in what is called a modal, which is a computer program that's basically a closed off program that's sort of testing out stuff. And we're getting all this sort of techno babble and then Bugs and her sort of companion whose name is Seek, I believe. And he is this dude who's sort of there, but he's there, but he's not really there because he's sort of half in and half out of the Matrix. You know, we're getting these sort of updated tech things going on here. He's like Al from Quantum Leap. Yes, exactly. What does Spider-Man's friend call himself? He's like, I'm his chair or like... Guy in the chair. The guy in the chair. Yeah, so he's kind of like the guy in the chair, right? Even though he's right. there in the Matrix. He's Dozer or Link from the other movies, only right. he yeah. can project himself into the matrix without actually being in there how did you guys feel about this sort of recreation opening here it reminded me a lot of back to the future part two where you're seeing yeah. you know events from the first movie play out again from a different angle and you're just like you know i mean they're kind of giving you what you want they're like here's the matrix done exactly again but with better special effects and a different actor and this this is the whole movie in a nutshell right they're just going to give you the same thing but with Better graphics and no green tint over the over the footage. Better graphics? Yeah, I would argue with that, Chris. Maybe not exactly. Oh, oh, not as good actor also doing the stunts and like. It reminded me of Terminator Genesis, and that's not something you want to remind me of right off the bat. Yeah, no, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But like, you know, I was like, I was willing to go where they were taking me at this point. I was like, oh, okay, this is. This is the beginning of the meta stuff, and, you know, I'm, I'm on board with, like, you know, Back to the Future 2 for, like, one or two viewings or something like that. So I was more or less on board, but, you know, I was like, man, if this is just going to be the whole movie repeated, you know, watching from a modal, then that's not going to help. But uh, I did appreciate the fact that some of the exposition was delivered very straightforward. You know, he, he's like, you're in a modal. What's a modal? And then she tells him what a modal is, as opposed to the other movies where they're like, you already know what a modal is. And like, you know, so at least they ditched that. And then because I'm like, what the fuck is a modal? And I was like, I'm right with you, Morpheus. And so I enjoyed that. You know, there are a few good shots, which, of course, they showed in the trailer where she jumps off and yeah, from one corner to the other corner and streaks down like that was cool. That's like where it's excelling. It's taking, you know, the Matrix stunts and then, you know, using CG to make them do things that you've sort of never seen before. Uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Not so much the meta meta of it. The back of the fake Trinity's outfit almost made her look like a xenomorph. Like with the tail, it was like so intense. And I was just like, this feels almost like they redesigned her leather outfit to be Giger-like. And 
It's just an interesting thing that I saw on second viewing. Rodney, what was your take on this? I overall really liked it. Like, I don't know at what point you consider the opening scene to be done. It's a long scene, right? Yeah. Until you get to Neo and stuff. So we're, okay. we're going through the whole introduction of Morpheus and everything. Oh, that, yeah, okay. I thought it was, like, from the minute it started and, and then you realize we're, like, back in the opening scenes of The Matrix, I was like, I'm in. Like, I love meta shit. This, this is cool. I thought the fact that, like, uh, Seek is, like, a hologram who's like there to talk to her. I was like, this is a great addition. This is a cool way. This is a clever way to like make him be present in the scene. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty cool when like the agents show up and they have the exact same conversation, but agent Smith is now like a black guy. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? That and was it, total surprise. Yeah. I and was, I was like, I don't, I, I was excited in the moment. Cause I was like, Oh man, like this movie is going to be trippier than I was ever prepared for. I thought bugs is great. I think she's great throughout the movie. I like the part where she jumps off the building I love the part where they're like jumping through the hallway and the hallway like yeah. turns on its side, right? Like inceptions wise. Yes. One thing I did not get, and I still don't get two viewings later, is why the character of Trinity is a different actress here. I don't get it. Because clearly they had Carrie on Carrie on Moss and they could have just digitally, you know, de-aged her. Or are they trying to say that in this modal everyone looks different. I think that's what they were saying. Yeah, that the modal is different, right? Yeah. She had to be, what do you call them? A sentient? Sentient or, or something sentient. like that. She was, yeah. she was created by the Matrix. She wasn't a copper top or anything like that. She was definitely a program and they couldn't quite get the Trinity, right? I think it's an in-story reason so they don't have to have Carrie Ann Moss doing stunts she can't do anymore. Right. So they're like, oh, we need a new Trinity. We're going to see the same thing. Why do we have a new Morpheus? Why didn't Lawrence Fishburne come back for Morpheus? Well, obviously, that's why. Because he's older and he's heavier and they wanted some young, cool guy. And so they're like, yeah, Morpheus is dead. Now that's this new guy. But they were able to get What's-His-Face back for Rogue One and he's dead. So I don't see why this should be so hard. Trinity does live in the Matrix and they're showing that that is not Trinity. They want it to be clear that the real Trinity lives in the Matrix but this is not her. Right. Why it's confusing is Neo, as you come to find out later, he made the Matrix, whatever, video game trilogy, and in it, there is a character named Trinity who, if I were to play the game, she would look like Carrie Ann yes. Moss because that's, they keep showing footage from the Matrix films. Yes. So, why would, when he creates his modal over here on the side, why does that version of Trinity not look exactly like the ver? Like, wouldn't he just import the character over to his modal? That's true. He did create the modal, though, right? Yeah, it's his modal. Like, he made it. Yes. So I don't get why his version of Trinity is looking different than what Trinity looks like. And I'm willing to just let it go. It's just like a thing. Yeah. It's minor. It's not important. Dude, there's tons of shit like this in this movie. All the stuff th throughout the movie about people looking different. I hated this with, with Matrix 3. We talked about this. I hate how they, how the, uh, I guess only the one Wachowski in this case, feels this need to explain why people look different. And I'm like, they don't, just leave it be. And doesn't do a good job with it. Like, explains yes. it, and you're still like, why? That explanation was not sufficient. Well, the, with Morpheus, it made sense. that Like, this is a computer-programmed version of Morpheus. So, like, I get it that he looks different, but he's a little bit got the same vibe. And I feel like the actor is so great that, like, kind of, I, I'm fully on board for any reason to have him be Morpheus. All right, let's talk a little bit about Yahya Abdul-Mateen as Morpheus. Yeah. I agree. He's a great actor. The second. I, the second. I was excited to see him take over the role even though I'm like why aren't we bringing back uh, Lawrence Fishburne well you know why 
I don't know why. Sebastian just said. Because he's out of shape and old. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's why they're not doing it. Exactly. Which is not a really good excuse when, as Rodney pointed out, you can do anything with digital technology now. You could have a body double do all the fighting and put his face on it. Why isn't he there? I'm okay with it. I'm rolling with it. But we're going to run into this same thing with Agent Smith, too, because... Mm. There's no good reason why Hugo Weaving isn't there. The reason is they couldn't work out the scheduling. And he was like, I would have worked out the schedule. Oh, he did he say that? He did, yeah. He, he was doing a play in Australia, but he was like, well, if you can just arrange the schedule so I can be in the movie, I'll do it. And they were like, no, we'll just get somebody else by. I think that is a, like a huge mistake. And obviously... Look, I don't know what happened with Lawrence Fisher. Maybe they offered it to him and he said, no, thank you. No, they didn't. He said they didn't ask me. <laughs> oh, okay. He straight up said they did not ask me. I think it is incredibly foolish not to put him in the movie. Even just to like reconceive him as like an older version of himself. Right, right. Because the character lived. Yes. I think it's really weird to be like, oh, there's like a new Morpheus, but he's played by this different guy, but he's also like part Agent Smith, and we can get into that. But like the actor playing him is great. Yes. I thought he did a really great job. Yeah. It's just like bringing back half the cast never really tastes great. You know what I mean? Yeah. To me, it's like it tastes good because it's something fresh. Like I thought that the two recasts actually worked and they were like more my favorite part because like I guess oh, I'm God. I'm less of a purist than you guys are. I was like ready to to roll with this because I like both those actors and thought they brought something new to the to the role. So I was like I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm into I it. I like both the actors too, but I don't think Smith works, but we'll get to him. Mm. Yeah, we can talk about Let's that, talk yeah. a little bit about this version of Morpheus because first of all, this version of Morpheus is not a human being. It is a computer program. Yeah. Later, we're going to see him in the real world. He sort of uh, incorporates into the real world by becoming this sort of particle person do you remember those those things that you put on your face at the sharper image yes and then it would exactly. be your face that's exactly what i thought i'm like this is all <laughs> this is what they came up with like so the character has been reconfigured and I'll, and I'll just say up front i do like the updated tech ideas like the ideas of all this stuff is cool. Yeah, i like the true. idea of a program that can now be in the real world through mm -hmm. this sort of particle stuff. That's cool. I'm not against this idea of this sort of like weird new version of Morpheus that is part Morpheus and part Smith. But this whole scene makes no fucking sense to me dramatically because he just shows up, he goes in like he's Agent Smith, and then like Bugs is just like, hey, who yeah. are you? And he's like, I'm Morpheus. There was no change, nothing. He didn't like get hit on the head and then recover no. his memory. It just, he just turns into Morpheus out of nowhere. You're right. The way they travel now through the Matrix is through those back hallways and stuff that we saw in Matrix Reloaded. And then they end up in this recreation of Thomas Anderson's apartment from the first movie, and they have the most awkward expositional conversation that just kills the movie dead and it's so weird i start to like lose my footing right here because i'm like <laughs> this conversation wow, early goes on too long there's uh. all this explanation people know things they're not supposed like what what are you doing here well i'm looking for neo i'm looking for neo too and then like he's got his gun on her he's like well then we're at an impasse or something. It's just like this writing <laughs> is terrible in the scene and it just goes on forever. And then more agents come in and they run away and then they like jump out a building or something, you know, this whole action set piece. Then they end up like both jumping on a building and you just see them falling like they're fucking characters in a Pixar movie. Like, Aah! 
falling towards the camera. Cut to black. What fucking happened to them? Well, they they, they like fell through an exit. I yeah, that's it. right. Yeah, oh, sure. Whatever. Like Sebastian, I I agree. I agree that none of this stuff makes sense. I feel like maybe because it was the Matrix Four, I was just willing to let it all have a pass because that honestly didn't bother me until like the second half of the movie. But like, I totally understand what you're saying here. And none of that really did make sense. But to me at the time, first and second viewings, it doesn't bother me until like the second half of the movie. This gets thrown around a lot when people criticize franchise movies now. So I try to avoid this, but this movie and especially these parts of the movie feel like a fucking fan film. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. They do. It feels like a fan film. A multi-million dollar well-made fan film, but yes. Yes. It feels like this is not legitimate. Like that's what I'm feeling in these moments. Not original from the creator, even though it is. The movie doesn't really look like the first three movies. They're not doing the green tin. That's kind of what I like about it, though. If if they had gotten the same thing, I would have... Sure. That's kind of the thing that I enjoy the most is that it's like colored in a different way and it looks slick and new i'm gonna disagree i know what you're saying i agree that it looks it feels fan filmy one of the first things that rubbed me wrong the first viewing and that really set bad with me the second viewing was the look of the film the look of the visual effects the look of the world it just felt like it was made by different people i did not feel like this is part four of the franchise no it's a new matrix guys they got rid of the green filter it's gonna look different all right that's valid that's a valid argument i understand that I get it. But at the same time, it just doesn't feel up to the standards of professionalism of the other movies. Like, forget about the look. I don't feel like I'm watching a movie made by the same people at all. This seems like other people making the movie. Mm -hmm. The part where she, like, jumps over the cop car, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a weird... It looks weird. It looks like someone made it on their computer. The effect is not awesome looking there's slow motion happening and then the sparks are in like regular motion they're going way too fast and it's it's there's a weird trick to that shot i think there are definitely moments where this movie looks like a professional movie and obviously they spent 190 million dollars on it right also of note there were two cinematographers which i find interesting mm-hmm. that's, that's a a rare thing which makes you wonder why that happened right honestly sebastian i feel like you're you're onto something with this because i when I saw The Phantom Menace, there are tons of parts there where you're like, this feels like a fan film, even though it is George Lucas. Yeah. It's like when they do it on the cheap and you can just tell that like things are phoned in and just like, I don't know, there's something about like them not caring or just doing stock lighting setups and things like that where it, it, it's not great. I read somewhere that before, you know, in the original Matrix series, and I don't know at point this changed, but it used to be because Lana and Lily were such fans of comic books that they used to meticulously storyboard their movies, especially mm. the original Matrix and the, the sequels and stuff. I don't know at what point they stopped doing this, but some point along the way... They started working with some cinematographer or somebody and they were like, why do you do this? You know, you're losing all the spontaneity or whatever. And I feel like that's sort of reflected in this movie. Whereas I felt like when I was watching the original Matrix and the sequels that they were like a living comic book. And this doesn't feel like a comic book anymore. This feels like a TV show or something. You know what I mean? The photography is super digital. Mm -hmm. It's not bad looking. You know, it's not to say it looks bad. It just looks digital. Everything is so clean and clear. I don't know if it was different in the theater, if it was felt more film-like in the theater. But I'm watching it on TV and it's like, 
it's just so obviously digital photography and lighting, yeah. everything super keyed and all that. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't have any depth or like shadow or anything like that. It's bright and kind of TV. Yeah. That is what I'm talking about. There's a lot of parts, especially a lot of the slow motion parts, the parts where she jumps over the car, a lot of the parts with Neo that we see later. You're totally right. It doesn't feel comic booky or like well framed or well thought out. It's just sort of like, let's just shoot it, right? Yes. And you know, I looked it up, but Bill Pope, he shot parts one through three. And this mm-hmm. this was John Tall and someone else. So I mean they straight up used a different cinematographer, right? Yeah. It's just like the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I don't like the way this looks. I don't like the way this feels. But I'm here. Let's just roll with it. This is this is well, this is the film I'm getting. And Sebastian, there's a ton. I know you call it like drop frame slow motion, but it's like when it's something's not actually filmed in 48 frames. Oh, I hate and they that do this so sort much. of like yeah, like low frame rate slow motion. And they purposely do it all the time in this one. And I just remember going, Oh, I Sebastian hate hates this, must be like livid about it because it's like it's all over it. And it, dude, it's it's so easy to shoot in 48 frames nowadays. Like I have no idea why they they did it this way. I feel like it was they made specifically to piss off Sebastian. It's like <laughs> Sebastian, I, I'd like to hear you rant about the slow motion because the slow motion effects in this movie really rub me the wrong way and I don't know why. Now, do you mean like when we're seeing slow motion like, you know, when uh, Bugs slides down the, the, the sign and then jumps over the yes. car? That stuff. It didn't feel like the same kind of slow motion than it did back in the day with, I don't know, maybe it's a film versus digital slow motion thing. I don't know how it works with digital. I don't know. I mean, it's probably just as simple as changing the setting, mm-hmm. but it just seemed like too smooth or something. I don't know. Yep. Well, then they do the drop frame stuff that Chris is talking about. You see it most clearly later on with the analyst yes when he's doing the whole bullet time speech and oh, he's right. moving in drop frame like just his character is moving in drop frame like when he takes a step and there's like kind of a blur to the way he moves i thought that looked bad too it was a way of doing slow motion when something was not actually shot in slow motion but it gives the effect of slow motion yeah you're repeating frames twice so you're basically right. taking oh. taking regular motion and showing the same frame twice to give you the effect of slow motion, but you're not actually getting a real smooth 48 frames recorded and then played back at 24. So you get real luxurious, real slow motion. What Sebastian's talking about is, yes, they, they're stuck with 24 and they're like, but let's slow it down anyway. And it feels cheap because it is cheap. They didn't decide to f- shoot it at 48 frames or whatever. And you get that effect. Now, they did it on purpose here. (laughs) You're getting that look, but you're like, it's so easy, like Sebastian said, to be able to do this that I'm surprised they didn't shoot it. And they went for this aesthetic, which is cheap. It's an aesthetic choice that I despise. So yeah, I'm really running into problems with that. But I also agree with Rodney that there's something about just the normal slow motion that just doesn't look good. And it sucks because the best moments in this movie are moments, right? Like there are yeah. moments in this movie that really work. Absolutely. That's why the trailers were great. Showed all the best because parts for sure. Even though this movie I think has shit poor action, okay? <laughs> like this movie's action sucks. It yeah. sucks. It's like 
15 years ago, born identity crap mm. in a matrix movie. And I like born identity and stuff, but like that shit was so outdated at this point, like shaky cam fights and shit. And we're in a fucking matrix movie. And I have heard so many people be okay with this. They're like, oh, they can't do anything. It's not like they could do anything better than the original Matrix, so they don't even try. It's like, that's a fucking excuse. Like, look, I'm not expecting them to do better than the original Matrix, but, like, the action in this movie fucking sucks, and I'm sorry. People come to Matrix movies for action. I get it. We all like the crazy head game stuff, but come on. They're action movies. You can't deliver a fourth movie in a series that is an action series, and have the action be this bad it is absolutely inexcusable you're right i'm the bugs jump to the corner of the building is probably the highlight and that's like over in the first five minutes and i can't think of another great action moment that would even beat that so i'm not arguing with you there are a couple other moments throughout that i that when they happened i was like oh that was cool yeah yeah redirecting the uh the missile but we saw that in the trailer. Those are moments, though. Yeah. Where, like I said, right. these are like moments, whereas the entire sequence will right. be absolute dog shit. And then there will be a couple of moments here and there where something cool happens. I wouldn't say dog shit. I'm like, it's fine. For a Matrix movie, they're bad. Yes, it's not up to snuff. If you recall me ranting on the Assassin's Creed episode about how mediocre I thought those action scenes were. No way. That was way better than this. Oh, the, the Assassin's Creed was amazing action compared to this movie. Fair like, enough. I'm not going to call it dog shit, but every time there was an action scene in the, my first viewing, I was like, that's okay, because like, the big awesome thing is coming later, right? It's coming. And when it got to the train sequence, which we'll talk about, I was like, Sebastian's was right. I bet you this is going to be the big set piece. And I was like, no, it wasn't this one. It's going to be the next one. And then the movie ended, and I was like, how come there was no awesome action in this movie? Like the classic Rodney line is, okay, so what's the scene in this movie where I'm, I'm going to sit you down right, and watch you it? show to somebody, yeah. There is no scene. No, you know how many scenes really. in this no. movie? Zero. I would never insist anyone watch any single move scene from this movie and be like, how awesome is that? Because there's not a single awesome scene. I would not only not have them watch it, I would be embarrassed to show anybody the action scenes in this movie. I would be like, Whoa. please don't watch this. This is embarrassing. Jeez. Look, at the end of the day, you're right. Like, look, it's you've made an action movie. This is an action film. And I'm sorry if, if everyone wants to pretend it's not, but that's what we've come here for, right? We've come here for philosophy and shit too. But at the end of the day, we all want to watch people like diving in slow motion, yes. firing machine guns, yeah. right? And to not put that in your movie is like already bad but then to be like i'll half-heartedly put some action scenes that just feel very sloppily filmed and choreographed and then now i wonder oh was lana not the action director and it was lily who's the action director because really there's no cool ideas other than you know the few that we've mentioned like in cool action always starts with ideas it's not just like oh let's get the stunt team together and do some cool stuff i like all the best stuff in the matrix is because you know, they thought it out. They were like, we're going to have a run along a wall. And it's like a cool new idea. That's why it was so cool that there's no, this is bereft of like new action ideas. I feel like all they're doing is like, oh, let's do it with new technology, but do the same shit. Not even the same shit. Kind of just like, let's, let's do a fan film matrix action scene. 
So I get what you're saying. Not only do you have one of the directors of one of the greatest action movies of all time on this set, but you have Keanu Reeves, who has reinvented his career in another action franchise, directed by the dude who plays Trinity's husband in this movie. That was him? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that guy is on the set, right? Like, yeah. Who is known for being an action director, and he played Neo in the action scenes from the original movies. He was a stunt double. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a stunt guy. You have, like, at least two action geniuses on the fucking set, and you can't do better than this? Like, the only thing I can even think, and this is the only give me I'll give this movie, is they shut down in the middle of production because of COVID, so I'm thinking, like, maybe their COVID was screwing up their ability to do some of these action scenes or something. Nah. Nah. Because you would think when you say, like, hey, you want to make the sequel to the trilogy, isn't the first thought that comes to your mind is, like, how can I outdo the car chase scene from part two, right? How can I outdo the Agent Smith subway fight from part one? Like, how can I deliver what fans are wanting? And the action scene in this movie almost feel like Lana Wachowski didn't even want yes. them. It felt like Warner Brothers. Yeah. In it felt like she just wanted to make a movie about grief and and love. And they were like, "Where are action scenes?" And they feel forced in just because they had to be there. Yes, agreed. There are things again. I, there are things I liked in this movie, but I am so angry about the action scenes. Just angry. That hallway scene at the beginning that could have been amazing. That was going to be amazing. Instead, it's like eight seconds, and then it's not over. only is it eight seconds, but uh, Bugs looks cool because she's like running up on the wall, but like Yaya's guy like going with his arms. He looks goofy. <laughs> right. Like at least make him look cool. There's a lot of bad ADR when they're falling, and you hear them yelling, going ah. And I'm like, why did you even put a scream in there? Just let them do their thing. And I think there are some times in the shots when you see the actors and they look uncool and goofy. Right. And that's the opposite of the Matrix. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's that one because I feel like Yaya is supposed to be like, I'm newly, you know, fat discovered Morpheus, so I don't know what I'm doing. And I think it's actually kind of cool when he's like running down the hallway and he's kind of like freaking out in slow motion and doing that because they put that in the trailer and i thought it was a cool moment but i get what you're saying sebastian um he makes up for it with the with the dual gun thing he's got some moments for sure i'm not dissing on yaya the problems in this movie are not his fault in any way or nor are they anybody who's in the movie everyone does a good job in the movie totally and the gravity shifts like you were talking about are so fleeting and weren't really handled well you can totally tell they're CG and I was like oh let's do more of this you know because they tease you a little bit at the beginning where they're gonna like go into a room and then the gravity is gonna change and Sebastian you were saying oh that that seems 10 years too late because Inception did that they didn't really even bother with much of that stuff either right well let's move on to the next big element of this movie and that is we get our new version of Neo aka Thomas Anderson and we find that he is a video game designer in this iteration of The Matrix. He works for a company called Deu Machina, very clever, and he's working on a game called Binary, but he can't get his old hit game, The Matrix, out of his mind, mostly because he's pining over Trinity. So we're getting this whole setup where he's working for this video game company. He used to be this hotshot game designer. We're getting glimpse of how he really 
really looks to other people in this movie, which is going to be a big bone of contention for me. Like we see in reality and reflections and stuff, he's this gray haired guy who's sort of balding. But to us, he's Keanu Reeves looking like he's John Wick, not like he's Neo. Does that not ring a bell to you? I mean, like every time I catch myself in the mirror, I'm like, who's that fucking old guy? I thought I was looking like Brad Pitt. I identified with that. That's fine if you're going to do that. But the way this movie handles it is so weird and it doesn't work. There's a point later that makes no fucking sense where it completely goes off the rails. One point? Come on. There's like a thousand points. Anyway, like I know you guys are sort of more immersed into video game culture than I am. But neither of you hadn't seen Free Guy before you saw this, right? No, I still haven't seen it. Nope, I still haven't seen it. Free Guy beat them to the punch here so hard. I've heard so many people say that everyone who's seen Free Guy hates The Matrix. Everyone who hasn't seen Free Guy is like, that was fine. So it seems to be a, a definite fork in the road, so to speak. My first viewing, I was like, oh my God, fuck you. He's a video game designer and The Matrix is a video game. I still have a problem with The Matrix as a video game only because another element of this movie is we're constantly being shown scenes from The Matrix. Always a great idea to put in scenes from your better movies. Yeah, it is a little weird. But they're supposed to be from a video game. Like, so... It doesn't even make sense visually. It's just stupid. I'm sorry. It's stupid. Yeah, they didn't even put any like HUD or like video game stuff over it. It's it's still like projected stills of the movie. Make a fucking video game of the Matrix and put it in the movie. Right, right. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Do like a rendering of it. When it's his memory of it, it's fine. But like literally project it on the walls when he takes the red pill and you're like, Really? They're saying this is the video game of The Matrix. Unless you're supposed to abstract it in your mind or whatever. But like the information that's on the screen is this is the video game of The Matrix, which it is clearly not. It is clearly a movie. I totally get what you're saying. And I felt that way when they're like, oh, it's a video game. But that's clearly movie footage. But I think it's important to remember that this this is taking place in the year like whatever 28,000 or whatever right or 20 whatever we we don't we don't know the year and i think the right. implication is that the movie is taking place in a world where the matrix is so real that people don't know they're in a, a simulated world so it only makes sense that if thomas anderson made a video game he would be able to make it look like real life right his video game the matrix just looks great it looks lifelike i'll give you that rodney but you know the real reason and the real reason is they were too lazy to make it a video game so they just used old footage sure i guess you can rationalize it because if his memories of the matrix look like you know some fucking ps1 game right he wouldn't be having nightmares about it it's the fact that he can't tell if it's real or not it's important that like it be indistinguishable from reality no it's fine for his memories sebastian's saying we're saying that in the real the real world of the matrix they show the footage of the game as the matrix movie that's your real issue right so the memory part is fine to remember the the first movie i can move past this and i'll give it to you rodney i'll give you this one it's fine Woo-hoo! you're not really giving it to him you're you're fucking begrudgingly it's giving dumb it to him. that's all i'm saying 
It's dumb to show the, the footage of the movie and they bring up the fact that they're like, doesn't that character Trinity look like me? And I'm like, yes, of course it does because it's freaking Carrie Ann Moss. In my second viewing, I was like, they should they should just cut all these like flashbacks back. The, especially the, the part where he walks into the room and Morpheus is like projecting it on oh, the wall. Yes, exactly. I was like, That's this, much. like it would just work way better if you guys just said it was a video game, but you never tried to show me footage. Of Agreed. It, you Agreed. Know? But it is a good way for him to like, you know, they talk about... I know this is getting into the meta stuff, Sebastian, you'll hate it, but it's like, all right, so he made a video game that can talk about the Matrix without talking about the Matrix. So, like, I don't hate yeah, that. At, at least serve that function so that they could be like, oh, you're coming back to the yeah. Matrix. And it's like, yes, I get the meta-ness of that. I thought that was pretty good. When we go to the new Agent Smith, who's played by an actor, Jonathan Groff. I love the show Mindhunter. He's great. Oh, he's awesome in that. And Hamilton! Yeah, he's in Hamilton, Sebastian. Cool, cool. Well, he's great. He, I would like him if I ever watched him. <laughs> cool, cool. Stop, stop. I like the whole, oh, Warner Brothers wants to make another Matrix game and yes. like all of that. And, and I like what she's trying to get at here in terms of what, what she's saying. That gave me a pass for the whole movie, honestly, when, when I heard her. No. When I heard her say, like, look, they were going to make a Matrix movie, whether or not I was involved or not, I was like, that kind of, like, bought them a free pass from me, because I was like, you know what, I know you would rather, I would also rather have, you know, you make your fourth Matrix movie than, than Michael Bay come in and make it. And I strangely kind of wish we could rewind and have her pass on the movie and have Michael <laughs> Bay come in, because... I would have gotten the Matrix film I wanted to watch. Michael Bay. Ugh. I would say give it to Chad Stahelski, who's in this movie, and then I'd be excited. Sure. No, I'm not going to give it a pass. I will say I do appreciate the exploration of what it means to be a creator who is being sort of forced back to deal with this property that you feel like you've moved on mm -hmm. from. All of that, I'm totally okay with. I mean, it's a little goofy that they're like, Warner Brothers, our parent company. Like, yeah. like it, it seems like a giant fuck you to Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I love that. Well, you think all those meeting notes are definitely from real meetings that happen where they're like, bullet time, what made the Matrix? You know, when they're all spitballing their ideas, you can tell Lana's just literally airing her grievances about like how many meetings she's been in where people are like, what are you going to do for Matrix 4? Sure. And like spitball their their lame, you know, marketed ideas. And I really appreciated that. I like this whole stretch. I like from the minute we meet Thomas Anderson to like, you know, kind of like when Bugs shows up for him. Like all of this video game stuff and the meeting stuff. And the giant fuck you to Warner Brothers. I thought that's very meta and very clever. But again, I'm a sucker for meta in general. I was on board for it. I'll go halfway with you because while I can appreciate the concept and what's going on, the sort of like tired sort of douchey like video game bro shit feels like dated and kind of lame and like and they're saying stuff okay. like bt dubs like oh that's so cutting edge bt dubs it feels like an old person trying to be like oh this is what cool young video game people are into and stuff yeah. and i'm sorry to bring up free guy again but free guy does this so much better first of all it's like taika watiti is the douchey video game bro and he's funny as hell Hell. And in this movie, these actors are all trying to be funny and you can tell it's all improv. Like, what's the new bullet time? And you're getting all these different versions of them saying the same thing, which I guess is supposed to mean that, like, this is happening over and over and over. Whatever. I won't even get hung up on that. But, like, I really hate the dude who's Jude or whatever. He's fucking annoying. Yes. Yeah. So over the top, like, trying to be douchey 
video game bro. He is painfully bad. In fact, everyone, everyone who like works with Thomas Anderson at the video game company is super annoying. I completely agree. Also, can we just call out Christina Ricci for a second? Yeah, weird cameo, right? Like, like it's weird that Christina Ricci is in this movie for ninety seconds. Yeah, one shot, I think, maybe two. Like, maybe it's all she wanted to do. Maybe she was just like, "I'm dying to be in the Matrix film. Like, I'll take any part." But she just plays like, I guess, like head of marketing for like she has like three lines. It's really bizarre. It is. But I do like the sequence where like. The song plays, you know, what is it? Um, White Rabbit. White Rabbit. And like you're just watching him go through his day and like yeah. being depressed. Like I thought that part is very well done. I, it, it did a good job of like establishing like the depressed monotony of Thomas Anderson's life. Did you notice when they, I think they mentioned some block, like they're like, that's what makes a blockbuster. And they just show him eating a steak. Like that looks exactly yes. like yes. Cypher's steak. And I was like, yes, <laughs> give the people the steak. I liked yeah. the steak. I liked Christina Ricci. I liked the song. I like the general point they're making, but the douchey bros are just, uh, it, it just feels corny. It feels like it's way, way, way the wrong movie. There should not be improv comedy in a Matrix film, whether it's a new version of the Matrix or not. And there's a lot of comedy in this movie. That's another thing that I've seen people be like, isn't it great? It's it's kind of funny. And it's like, is that what you want out of a Matrix movie? I mean, am I the crazy person who doesn't want like no. yuck, yuck, cat jokes in a fucking Matrix movie? No, dude, it was I was cringing. I appreciate the meta jokes that work. I feel like where it stops for me is when she's like, I'm Bugs, like Bugs Bunny. And I'm like, okay, I can I can hang. And then when she goes, what's up, Doc? I'm like, that's a bridge too far for me, guys. I'm like, really? Like, you can't have two Bugs Bunny jokes. Well, and get it. Warner Brothers, Bugs Bunny. Right. Oh, God. That got a little bit much for me, so. But I do appreciate, like, the fun meta stuff that does work. That is a little bit of refreshing. And, like, no, I, w I wouldn't want the same Matrix sure. if they're going to make the Matrix 4. So I appreciate that this is feels somewhat fresh, even though they are retreading the original Matrix. In a weird way, I'm torn because they're, like, subverting their expectations and then making fun of it at the same time as they're doing it. I'm like, you can't just call yourself out for doing something and go, ha ha, because I'm aware I get a pass, right? Like, I'm... I'm always torn with shit like that. Especially since after this point, basically, this movie's going to turn into just a remake of The Matrix. So it's like, oh, isn't exactly. it shitty that that's what people do? And then they're going to do it. Right. Like, Charlie Kaufman can get away with doing that in adaptation or something like right. that, where it's like, oh, everything shifts and you realize, oh, there's a different screenwriter involved now. It's just way smarter, whereas this is just kind of like making fun of it and then doing it not to really make any point or critique about well, it. Well, and it starts to feel like, fuck you for liking The Matrix. Why'd you make me make this movie, you asshole? And what, you're going to try to enjoy it, are you? Well, I'm going to put in shitty action sequences. How are you going to enjoy that, huh? <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the character of the analyst as played by Neil Patrick Harris. He is going to turn out to be the big bad of the movie. Spoiler, he ends up being the main villain, which I felt was pretty fucking obvious 
from the get-go. I can appreciate uh, Neil Patrick Harris's performance here. I think it's mostly pretty good. He's bringing sort of that kind of a little bit of the Agent Smith vibe in a way, but, you know, he's doing it in this sort of kind manner. I do think the messaging here is bad. And I understand, before you guys come at me about this... I don't know what you're going to say. I do. I know they make good reasons for it in the story. However, we're dealing with a franchise in which... A lot of people got some really shitty ideas out of it and did shitty things. You'd think you'd want to be a little bit more responsible with your messaging than saying your therapist is evil. You should stop taking your meds. You should steal someone's spouse and you should fucking jump off a building. This movie has multiple scenes where the main character is committing suicide and it's totally framed as the thing he should do. I feel like this is kind of a little bit irresponsible. I would have thought twice about this decision personally. I hear what you're saying, but it's the Matrix. Come on. Like, you can't tell people to not jump off a building just because... They saw Keanu Reeves do it. He's in, supposed to be in the Matrix. Like, people have to have a grip, somewhat of a grip on reality. But I get what you're saying with the red pill and QAnon and where that went. They could have been more responsible with that. And I feel like they could have even delved deeper into the the choice, like, of, you know, Tiffany Trinity, where she's like, I want to blow up my life. Fuck my kids and my husband to do this other crazy thing. Like, and that's what was keeping her held down. Like, that to me was more of an interesting thing that they could have expanded on more. It's just like, you know, are we tied into these things in our lives that, you know, keep us complacent and and safe? And they really didn't expand on it enough. I just think it's a bad target. Mental health professionals are not a great target. Yes. To make your villains. Fair enough. Especially since we're living in a time where a lot of people need fucking mental yes. health professionals. Yes. And I think NPH doesn't really deliver the goods with the gravitas at the very end when it turns out he's the master villain like I feel like he didn't have quite the menace that that character needed. He was he was fine as the therapist and then when it builds but like once he becomes the full big time baddie I was there was something missing in his performance for me. I agree. I think when he's just playing the analyst, the nice guy, I think he's great. I think he plays that part really well. When he becomes the equivalent of the architect or whatever, when he's the bad guy, when he's revealed it's kind of a letdown, which actually kind of is like a larger point for me in that this movie is lacking a good villain. Yeah. You know, mm. complain about the architect all you want. That's fine. But Agent Smith is still in those movies as a badass. Right. Yeah. And there's no badass in this movie. And that's kind of action film 101. But I guess this isn't an action movie. They're trying to make it Jonathan Groff as the new Agent Smith. But the way he oh, figures right. into the story is so head scratching and like, what? Like, why is he involved? Like, it makes no fucking sense how they his character is woven into the story. Yeah, and they have a temporary alliance. And then no, yeah, I was confused too at the very end where he's like, our temporary alliance is now over. And you're like, huh? Like, what? I don't like him. I'm sorry. I like nothing against him personally. He's great in Hamilton and I'm I've never, you know, Mindhunter. I'm sure he's great, but this is the one character that feels way out of place for me in this movie. I just don't like it. I like him as an actor, so I give it kind of a pass, but and I appreciate it that he's not trying to do Agent Smith, but I mean as we talked about in our previous podcast, Agent Smith is like a top 10 villain. Oh, and yeah. this guy is not 
pulling it off. And you're right. And it comes down to being that neither of these villains, I'm sorry, are threatening or, or in, in any way intimidating to me, ultimately. They're just kind of like nice, slightly douchey guys. They're just like professional yeah. men who do things. They're like, yeah, they're kind of jerks. What are the stakes? It's just like he needs Trinity back. That's it. I mean, he's already been rescued and like, I guess Io is threatened if he goes, does this, but they never explain why it's threatened. Well, Jada keeps saying like, don't go there because then Io will be like revealed and we'll be in more trouble. But like, it it never really makes sense. And there's never really a a clear line that because if they fail with their mission with Trinity, that Io is going to get attacked. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. All I could pull out of it this time was that the analyst says, like, if you guys don't get your shit together, I'm going to have to reboot. The, they call them something like the the bosses are going to have to reboot the Matrix. Yeah, the suits. The yeah, suits. who are the suits? Yeah, who yeah. are the fucking suits? And they're like going to reboot it or something. And I yeah. maybe everyone will die. I don't know. I think it's like a boardroom full of those giant talking faces from the end of Matrix 3. <laughs> <laughs> the talking baby, yeah. We should go over the minutes from the last meeting. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So we get our like red pill, blue pill choice thing again here. And like, it's really like hammered home. Like choice is the theme in this movie. They say like choice like a million times. And it's like this metaphor that was so powerful in the first movie just becomes like a nothing thing. And then they're even like, at one point, like Bugs is like, yeah, I got presented with the pills and like, I didn't appreciate it being this binary choice, you know? That was a bit much. Does she say that? Yeah. When does that? I don't remember remember that. It's supposed to be this addressing of the red pill, blue pill thing. Yeah, well, now they were saying like something about how it's like, yeah, there there is no choice that you've already, it's destiny that you have made the choice and that, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like they tried to advance the the conversation about that a, a tad, but not nearly enough or advance it the way it should have been. They do address that like in parts two and three where the Oracle says things like, you already made the choice. You're trying to understand why. You know? Yeah, that's the whole theme of those first three. But Sebastian's saying like they just it's it's again repeating the same dumb theme. If you're gonna bring it up again just to say like, oh well, you don't really need this to make your choices or whatever, then why even bring it up? You know what I mean? It's like they just bring it up to bring it up. Yeah, my super fan Remy, who loves Matrix, was also saying that the theme of this one is that you know, with all the mirrors being the the connections that you know we all have black mirrors, which are our phones, in which we're all connected now. That basically everybody is aware of the Matrix, but everybody is too complacent to do anything and that's more the theme that was presented by this movie which i don't think was presented enough really i mean i i didn't really read that's that. a great idea but it's not in the movie if that had been in the movie it would have been great yes can you here's a question i have at the end of the last movie a deal was made between the machines and humans yes. right that like any humans who want to leave the matrix can they don't really discuss in this movie the state of those people. Like, are all those people in the Matrix aware they're in the Matrix other than Neo? Did they get the email or did it go to spam? <laughs> or did, like, the machines basically just, like, say, fuck it, like, I'm not honoring that anymore, right? Like, it's really unclear. It is really unclear, and I'm not going to make any excuses for it, but I kind of tried to pay more attention this time that I watched it. And I think that 
situation, that arrangement was like a former version of the Matrix. And they're now they're in a new Matrix where people don't know. They're not given the choice. We're back to a version of the Matrix, which is more like the Matrix we saw in those movies. So it's implied that the war with the machines like began again and they're just like, fuck humans. The machines were fighting each other because they right. couldn't make enough food or something like uh, Niobe explains this part, like all of this mythology. And this is a problem in the movie because it's like we're getting all these bits of explanation of what happened. And it's just done in this way where you don't really track it and so you're trying to put together this story of what happened and you can never really put it together yeah. like you really have to be like okay so there was that version of the matrix that rodney's talking about where everybody got to make a choice either to stay in or to stay out right then there was also the situation with zion where the machines were going to help out humans now or whatever. But apparently Zion was like hardlining that and they were like no fucking machines or no sentient machines or whatever they are. And so IO broke off on their own oh. and that's why they have like machines working with them. Oh, I see. So like something happened in that 60 years to change that deal that was made. And that's why Neo is like, oh, everything I did, none of it meant anything. Right. But then Niobe is like, it totally mattered because of what yeah. you did. It allowed us to like become friends with some yes. machines, basically. Exactly. And that we need to collaborate with the machines in order to make it successful so basically neil patrick harris was like i said everyone in the other matrix could escape if they want to but this is a new matrix and we didn't agree on that right right i think this is just sort of a lame way to reset the whole thing it's like the opposite of the force awakens lame reset where it's like well just the same shit just happened again this was like no 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 all this other stuff it happened and it's super convoluted and hard to explain but then the same shit just ended up happening again. <laughs> it's like you still have to get back to point A, which is the same point your previous franchise was in. But like right. now you just have a whole lot of explanation going on as how it ended up back in the same place, essentially. It's just so muddy. It wasn't at all effective for me. I was just feeling sort of lost and uninterested. And I have to say, both times I watched this movie... I got drowsy and went to sleep. I was unable to watch this movie from beginning to the end either time. The first time I turned it on really late and I was like, ooh, the new Matrix is up. I was super excited. I did the same thing. And yeah. I started to watch it and I was like, fuck this. And I went to, I went to sleep and I'm like, I'll yeah. approach this with a more positive attitude in the morning. And then I watched it in the morning and didn't feel any more positive about it. And then today I watched it and fucking got sleepy again. So I ended up taking a nap halfway through it. <laughs> it's a shame that we didn't all get to see it in the theater and gave it our give it the full attention that well except for Rodney uh, you know that I feel like a Matrix movie did deserve because I feel like when I was at home I would miss a few lines just because I'd be like oh let me check my phone to see if I got this or that and then there's definitely this is a movie where you have if you want to you know dig deep into the mythology like everything's crumbs laid all over the place and you really have to pay attention. So I, I do think seeing in the theater helped a bit. Like I was fully immersed, but I still in the theater, I just kept thinking 
I'm not sure I understand, but that's okay. Carry on. It will make sense later. I'm not saying it would have made perfect sense if we paid all the attention in the world. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I like Tenet, and that movie doesn't fucking make sense a lot of the time. So I, I get, like, you can roll with things, and I was rolling with it fine. The fact that, like, it was all sort of hard to put together, and I think this movie is poorly paced. It's, like, two and a half hours long, and it feels long when you're trying to watch it. Because, like, mm. the scenes just kind of plod on. Let's talk a little bit about, like, the real world. World. They finally get Neo to take the red pill after this really sort of like lame train sequence, which you think is going to be the, oh, the yeah. best sequence in the movie. And it ends up being just kind of like a bad zombie attack. We got to talk about the bots. The swarm. Yeah, yeah. The swarm. Yeah, it's so zombie. Yeah. They imply that like they can just turn anybody into an agent now. Is that the implication? But like they're they're like the worst fighters ever. They're just like zombies. Yeah. yeah like facing one agent is actually way harder than facing thirty swarm right. dudes. <laughs> so why is this a bigger threat? It's not. It's lame. Yeah. There's one great moment in the in the train fight where someone grabs someone and throws them out and you see them get like sucked out of the train. Yeah. And I was like, oh, here we go. And then, and then they're just, they move on and like, we're like done here. You tell me how, how are they? They're on a bullet train in the matrix. And how is it that no one at any point in this movie isn't fighting on top of a train? No shit. Wolverine even managed to pull that off. <laughs> at no point, nobody was like in any point was like, shouldn't they like fight on the train? Shouldn't we do some matrix shit where they're hanging on the side of the train? No. Well, and it's like bullet time, bullet bullet train like you got to do something yeah. like with bullet time and the bullet train or something like that like like the train should like stop or something and they're all like flying in midair or fighting yep. or something you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's so lame. I was so jazzed for that sequence. Like I said, I was like, when the trailer was like, oh yeah, that's going to be the one, boys. That's going to be the one. Yep. And then it just fucking turns into Train to Busan and a lame version of it. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is all we're going to do? It was so lame. I cannot emphasize that enough for those who haven't seen. I've never seen a more letdown of an action scene except for the other action scenes in this movie. <laughs> Because this is actually still a highlight compared to some of the later action scenes. Watching it, it's perfectly fine for me. I'm not like... See, that's the thing. Between this movie and then The Matrix 3, even though I'm not like super jazzed by any of this, I'm not pissed off by it. The Matrix 3 is so much better than this movie in no, terms of see, action. The Matrix 3... So much better. Sure, sure. But it's still like I had way more issues with it than at least this. I'm like, it's washing over me. I'm having a good time. No. It's still not pissing me off as much as, as Matrix 3. What I wouldn't give for one scene in this movie that's like the nightclub upside down gunfight in part yeah, three. Yeah, dude, I'm sorry, nightclub upside down scene. I apologize for saying <laughs> you were lame because you're better than anything in this movie. Yep. I apologize to you, Siege of Zion. I would watch that interminable 40 minutes of Action. Yeah, they don't have that annoying kid. There's no character like that annoying kid in this movie. I want him in this movie. No way! Maybe if he died, but no, at least he's not there. That's the best thing about this movie is that the kid isn't in it. <laughs> the kid would feel so appropriate at, at the video game company as one of those as one of those people. Yeah, they should have had him in there. They should have had this him there. This is an Easter You're egg. Right. Like, it's the kid. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like the intern that they're all picking on because they hate him. So they, they eventually get off the train and they like get into the real world. And I was pleased by this stuff. I felt like like... 
in general, I, I feel like the visual look of the film is bad, except when they're in the real world. I feel like it, they're doing the Matrix well there. It at least feels like the old movies in a way. It seems a little too clean, just the photography and the digital effects. I, they weren't bad in any way, and I'm being kind of nitpicky. I did like them. I liked some of the new robots and stuff. I, you know, I liked the guy from the abyss, the alien from the abyss, that robot. Oh, it totally with the with the wings. Yeah, it, it floated and like swam through the air like it was underwater. Yeah. Whoever designed that owes them a fucking royalty check. That's all I got to say. If I was Cameron, I'd be holding out my hand being like, pay up. But I almost did like that, like one of the belly button things was now a friend too, right? There was like a little tiny thing. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, I was like, oh, that thing's that thing's a friend now. That's cool. That was fist bumping the guy. Oh, come on. What? I missed that. Yikes. Oh, sorry. You missed the fist bump? He definitely fist bumps the one. <laughs> yeah, guy. they're like, yeah. And the little like, la, 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 la. Don't, don't tell me that. The fist bump was a, one step too far. I thought it was really cool that like machines are now working together with people. I really like that. I do like that we actually see machines and human beings working together because that was what was promised from the last movie like yeah that's at least one thing they're paying off you know like right. i feel like you get so little things paid off from the the original trilogy and look i know a lot of people hated those other two movies so probably a lot of people don't want to see any of these things paid off but i do so i was at least grateful for these little tidbits that i'm getting and like i said i like the particle people who are really computer programs and you know it's a little goofy the strawberry scene or whatever i was at least happy that they got a better food in in aisle <laughs> come on like Definitely. like thank god because like you got to make something worth living for man like it was, zion was so depressing that at least they're like look we're trying to make things better and so a little bit more reason for people to leave the matrix yes but jada pinkett smith in that old age makeup is pretty fucking painful. Mm -hmm. Our co-host Richard <laughs> mentioned in an email that he thought she looked like a fat bastard and gold member, like after he loses all the weight and he's all <laughs> sort of shrunken and shriveled. To me, she looked like kind of a piece of like dried teriyaki or something like that. Is she supposed to be like nine? If it's 60 years later and she'd be she's like 80 like or 90? 90, yeah. 90? Okay, yeah. I was happy just to see her, you know? I was like, oh, they got Jada. Sure, like, sure. I was not expecting her to appear in the movie so yeah. i was like oh hey niobe's back she's half a character there's something though about jada pinkett smith i feel like she might not be a good actor like did you guys watch gotham at all did you watch any of no. it yes yes she was not good but she in that. was kind of hilariously over the top yeah it worked there you're right yeah yeah like she was clearly going for like batman 66 camp in that show i think she might actually just act that way because in this she's all like i'm an old lady and she's like walking around like right oh, right old lady walk or whatever that's her jam it works for her but like if she's in the wrong movie it's not going to work because yeah. this is her lane. And like her character is supposed to be a friend, but she's supposed to be a foe. Like she's like, I don't want you going out there or whatever. Yeah, I'm putting you in this brigade with like an open balcony <laughs> so you can escape anytime you want. Yeah. I thought it was really weird how like I get that. Like, I guess the last 60 years have been rough, but like. Here's like the reincarnation of this dude who died 60 years ago. And she's like, oh, hey, Neo. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I uh, I don't really give a fuck that you actually stopped the war with the machines. Right. And like, we literally have strawberries now because of what you did. 
but go fuck yourself. You're going to now be my prisoner. Well, not only yeah. that, she's like, I never believed in you being the one or anything like the dude yeah. has literally come back from the dead and you're not going to believe that he's Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he literally looks exactly as he looked six years ago. I guess slightly older. I guess he looks 20 years older to her. But like, I guess in the original trilogy, she doesn't believe in the one, but she certainly believes in Morpheus's belief enough to give up her ship and do all this shit. And in the, yeah. and in the end, it all paid off. And he was right. So for her to be like, I never believed in any of that shit. I'm like, what movie am I in? Yeah. yeah, it was never made clear to me that she didn't buy any of it. She always had Morpheus's back. Yeah, she like betrayed her other exactly. man in order to have Morpheus's yeah. back. So you'd think I'm in line with Morpheus, uh, hence Neo's. It was an artificial conflict. They just clearly like were like, well, yeah. she's got to be in conflict with him. And so they, you know, he has right. to escape from IO or whatever. But then at the end of the movie, she's like, well, I guess we're helping them out. What was the point of having her do this whole turn? That was kind of dumb. Dude, the whole sequence where she's like, "You, I, I'm sorry, but I got to put you in prison. And he like steps into the room and then like a ship appears. He's like, come on, let's get out of here. I'm like, he's been in prison for like eight seconds. Not only that, but the guy who brings him to prison is like, hey, man, you're super cool. Like, enjoy your stay. <laughs> he's like a, a hotel clerk or something. He might as well like be carrying his fucking suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any bags? And he stands there holding his hand out like uh, he got a he got a tip. <laughs> got any strawberries? And Tindia's like I. <laughs> yeah, this whole I like I look I like the idea of Io. I think that's cool. I'm so really unclear on what happened to Zion. Did Zion get wiped out? Did Morpheus get killed? Did he just die of old age? Morpheus got killed. Now I'm forgetting why. Yeah, where was the statue in Io though? Yeah, right, the statue. There's in a statue Io. of Morpheus. Okay. She goes in there and there's all these candles and the the implication is that like Morpheus and a bunch of people wouldn't leave Zion and the old ways and they all died. But like, why can't they just come out and say that like the machines attacked again and they all got murdered? Right. Like, I, it, I just don't understand. I've seen the movie twice and I still don't know what happened to Morpheus. <laughs> And neither do you. They refused to like take the machine's help and then Zion died. And then these other people who went to IO and then like collaborated with the machines lived. Like how hard is that to, to say, right? I mean. Well, and that's just a problem of this movie. And I mean, uh, it's honestly a problem of the whole franchise starting from Reloaded. But like the exposition, there's so much of it. And yet they don't make yeah. things clear. <laughs> like, Enough. Yeah, how can you yeah, have so right. many words to tell me something that you're not right. making me understand? <laughs> yeah. Maybe because yep. they don't have a clear understanding either, though. It's half-baked ideas, and they're just, like, writing it down and going, I don't know exactly if this is, works. And it feels like somebody writing a script, like, as they're writing it. First pass, yeah, yeah. I don't know what this is going to be, so I'm just going to keep typing, right. and eventually uh, there'll be enough words to make sense out of it. Here's another question. So how did they rebuild Trinity and Neo? Was it, like, a DNA? Th like, they had their bodies, and they still... They do show that. The analyst says... I was there when you died. They don't explain what he was there as. He's, you know, he's a program. He's a program. Okay, but how does he have physical means to, like, grab them? They don't show what he is in the real world. He just says, I was there when you died, and then we see what was so going on. he salvaged on. the body. Okay. He salvaged the bodies, and then he 
put them back together, he says it was super expensive as much as renovating a house. Yeah, that was a weird line. Like, do machines use money? Did he have to, like, go to, like, the DNA repair department and be like, how much, uh, how much you get some human brain tissue recreated? And like, oh, that's going to be 862,000 chits. He had to go to that big baby thing and be like, can I get a loan? I want to put Neo back together again. It must have been Lana was having trouble with her contractors and was like, I'm going to put in a dig about renovating a house and how expensive it is. Totally. Like, let's, let's fucking say it right here. Like, But I, I do think that like their physical bodies still existed after dying in part three. So they're doing a Jurassic Park. They have their DNA. They can just rebuild them cellularly no they literally put them back together they show like neo screaming in like this machine right, like right, reconstructing right. his face and plus he's got those extra bits of like cyborg shit in it. right no i just forgot that like that he was so he was there and actually got to them before they were like skeletons yeah like the machines take his body away at the end of part three yes. like on this hover platform you oh, know? they do okay I totally forgot. He's like laying there with his arms crossed, like kind of, you know, viking It's Frankenstein. He got their bodies. He put them back together yeah, again. Right. I had no problem with that. They're, they're super advanced machines. Yeah. They can do it. No problem. Yeah, no, I'm, I was just wondering what the nit, what the nitty gritty was with it. We got to talk about the bad dojo for Neo's mojo. Oh, right. The dojo scene. This is where I love um, Yaya's performance because he's like, Rolling around in all these fancy robes. His robes are doing all the work, dude. They're so awesome. And he's just like, he's drinking a martini. And I'm just like, hell yeah. Who wouldn't want to hang out with Yaya in those robes, drinking a martini? And then he comes out in the other, like, you know, with the retro TV. And he's like wearing like pimp clothes. And he does this little dance that, that the old Morpheus would never do. And I'm like, this Morpheus is fun. I want to hang out with him more. So he can do no wrong for me. I love new Morpheus. He's definitely pimping Morpheus for sure yeah but this scene sucks come on like the original yep. dojo yep. scene is iconic and so you're gonna fucking go back there and this is what you're gonna give me i think the only cool part is the very last shockwave which they show you in the trailer yeah exactly their actual fight is pretty weak I feel bad because I, I'm sure just fucking Keanu just probably can't do it the way he used to do it, you know? Yeah, but that's why we have stunt doubles, right? Like, they, I've seen John Wick movies. They can make it look like he can fight, right? Yeah. That's why it's called movie magic. That's what the $190 million is for, right? Well, also, I guarantee you, like, in the original Matrix and even for the sequels, they like to train, like, for six months to do that shit. And they had, like, when you ping or whatever, putting that fight choreography together. Like, I don't know who's doing it in this movie, but they're not doing a very good job. They're not living up to the Matrix's standards. It doesn't feel like there's actual martial arts in this movie. It's very crude, just people punching and blocking and stuff and kicking. Like what made the what makes the Matrix so cool is the elegant martial arts that they do. And this fight, like first of all, I'm like, why are we back in the dojo scene? Like, okay, I get it. He's gotta like I guess, like, remind him how to be the one or whatever, but it's just a little lame. It's just lame. They literally say it's to get his mojo back because, like, they've taken him out of the Matrix and he's not really, like coming back into the real world. He needs to remember how to kung fu. Yeah, yeah, okay, But he sure. doesn't remember how to kung fu. He learns that he's got this right. new superpower, which is to create a force field, basically, that deflects things like, you know, bullets and criticism, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
So he's got like the invisible girl's force field power, which is a super unexciting power to me. I'm sorry. Like we've seen that in like Fantastic Four movies and all sorts of shit. Like this is the big thing he's going to have is like basically a shield. Oh, we saw it in the first movie too. I mean, that's right. He could already do that. So like, why is it this big thing? Like now I can do this where it's like a bubble. Like it's to me, it was more like the force where he could just control things in the matrix just with his mind. Whereas like he never really really quite did that that would be cool okay like what you're suggesting would be a cool upgrade if he was just like i can fucking do anything like i can take you and twist you into a pretzel with my hand it almost felt like that by the end yeah yeah that would have been more impressive if you can't get people to do martial arts then you need to come up with something cool Mm -hmm. like some new cool mind-bending action thing you know what i mean they joke about it you know where they're like we need the new bullet time yeah you fucking need the new bullet time like come up with something that's cool like something like from dr strange or inception right i mean in fact this version of neo is like way less cool like he can't even fly i mean i guess at the end he can fly but like he uses that push power like 30 times in this movie at a certain point i'm like it's getting old now but i i don't even this scene just doesn't play right for me because it's like you're gonna die if if you don't learn your to have your mojo back i'm like why would he die like he's already been to io he's fine i guess before that it's before they get there yeah okay okay but still i don't like because he got unplugged i don't i whatever i get it you want to have a call back to the scene it's just not nearly as cool you know i wish that she could have like written the story and then maybe handed the directing range over to somebody else that could come up with these ideas because like it's clear that yeah she's not interested in in the action so you know she could still have domain over the story and and what happens with the characters and something like that but then maybe get somebody else more interested in making cool innovative action because it's a tall order guys like we give it i know not as good as the matrix blah 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 whereas like you know it's like people can make like a star wars movie and make it it's also a tall order but it's not as tall of an order as like come up with something as mind-blowing as bullet time and like that's kind of what they're saying here is i'm not asking for a new thing i'm just asking to please hit the same bar that you set before yeah right they're not even trying that i would want something new not even just like i don't want the same bar like go ahead don't make it if you can't give me new don't give me worse (laughs) exactly that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying fair enough i would have totally taken just like bring in the same or a or an equally good fight choreographer and be like how can we make this uh dojo fight cool and then just like let let them do it right and do that for all the action scenes especially when they spend so much time talking about what is the new bullet time in the movie and then when they get to it and it's the lamest thing i've ever seen before we get to that we need to talk about what i think is the lamest scene in the movie they all go back into the matrix and now we're in some sort of warehouse or some sort of like building with a oh, bunch of yeah. scaffolding in it. And the fucking Merovingian shows up, <laughs> who they now call Merv. Yeah, in derelict like dressing. Like they all look like they're from Zoolander's like spring collection, derelict. <laughs> he shows up with a bunch of Cirque du Soleil fighters or some shit, right? He's just like hurling like boomer complaints at them or something. Like he's like, he's like, Wikipedia's sucks or whatever (laughs) did you catch he has a line where he says like maybe i'll come back in like a reboot or a a sequel or a spinoff or whatever yes yes i couldn't believe this scene was happening i forgot the scene actually existed until you just said it now and i've seen it twice 
I points for trying to recreate that set, right? Because that set is trying to, it's like a throwback to Matrix 1 in like the bathroom scene where Morpheus gets caught. Yeah, that's in the second part of the scene. I'm talking about the first part where it's just scaffolding and this terrible fight with Neo and all of the the crew of the ship that I can't even remember the name who are all super forgettable. I guess they're all from the Sensate show or whatever. So I guess if you love that show. Oh, are they? Ah. Oh. Yeah, I didn't give a shit. That's the thing I I actually said to my wife during our second viewing. And I was like, you know, we don't spend any time with the crew of this ship besides like the hologram dude. Right. And so in the second half of this movie, they suddenly are like having lines. And I'm like, are you a character now? Am I supposed to care? It's too late. All they do is like fanboy over Neo, over Neo yes. too. That's all they do is they're like, oh my God, I have questions. Uh. And like one guy's like, oh, the I, I wasn't sure about Neo before, but the hair and the beard totally works for me or whatever. Sebastian, you're bringing up all these lines I, that totally passed over me. And I'm like, that's terrible. What movie was that in? I have no idea why the, I mean, I guess they do say that the Merovingian was like almost purged and he's been like hiding out. But he's like this raving homeless man now. And then like they make a whole point about how like difficult his henchmen are, right? Like the whole thing is that like his outcast henchmen are like werewolves and ghosts and shit. Dude, if his henchmen had been people in bad Wolfman and Dracula costumes, <laughs> I would have enjoyed it so much more. This might be the worst action scene in the in the movie. It is, 100%. It's so poorly shot and boring and like like Toward the end, when he starts fighting with Agent Smith, it gets a little better. A little better, yes. A little. But this first half, I'm like, first of all, these are just like generic schmoes. And like, there's, oh my God, you couldn't even give me one ghost person, not one ghost warrior, you know? Like, right. But the fact that it just keeps cutting to the Merovingian, just like ranting like a lunatic, I'm so embarrassed. I, I'm like, it is the definite. If anyone said, what, what do the kids mean when they say cringe? Yes. Right? Like, watch this scene. Watch this scene. This is what cringe is. Did you ever imagine when you saw Matrix uh, Revolutions that there would be a worse Merovingian scene <laughs> than the one in that movie? Remember how naive we were I... back then, three weeks ago? <laughs> when we were talking about oh the Merovingian scene in the third movie is so bad and then you get this abomination and they're like using him to make like boomer jokes about like how the kids are so stupid now or whatever maybe Lana is like trolling and like purposely giving us this horrible shit so that we can laugh about it that's what it feels like. The joke is, if you're going to make me make a movie, I'm going to just spend $190 million. I'm going to burn all your money and teach you a lesson. I'm going to make these bad, like, sort of half fan service, but not really, yeah. We're joking, but I think there is an element of that to this. No, I I am not joking. Yeah, I, that, like, it, I feel it. You know what I mean? Where the Wachowskis, as you've covered in this whole thing, usually just fucking go for it and they take risks whereas this is just like a movie that's they're making the fourth matrix and ha haing all along the way but they're kind of just doing what they always feared would happen is just like make a bad sort of fan servicey matrix right like if you want to do some crazy like meta being john malkovich kind of thing right or just have werewolves be his henchmen and that would be like fun and that would have been them going for it and i would have like at least had a better time at least it sounds like you guys would have enjoyed it for sure yes when i went to go see the movie i legit like i really tried to not i only watched one trailer you know so i didn't know what it was gonna be about but i kind of thought the movie was gonna be keanu reeves 
playing himself. Yeah, right? I thought that too. Yeah. And that it was going to be that like, no, sh the world you live in there, you really are in the matrix and you have to it's be a matrix on a matrix. And that would have been fucking trippy as fuck. Right. Go fall Wes Craven's new nightmare. Exactly. Exactly. It kind yeah. of does that, but it doesn't. Right, right. Then it backs away from that. And then it goes, no, yeah. we're just doing force awakens matrix where it's the same right, story. Right. No, mm -hmm. it's really just the matrix. It's just new matrix. It's a new matrix in this matrix. All the fighting sucks. <laughs> But then after this, we get the whole Smith shows up and he and Neo fight in that basement. And they're like very clearly referencing the fight with Agent Smith in the first movie. He's even like punching the pylon in the same way or yeah. everything like yeah. that. And so, yeah, I mean, it sort of perks up a little bit here. But again, why is Smith here? Can you guys explain why he shows up here? Again, I've seen it twice. I can't. He walks in. He literally says something like, Hey, like, I'm not here to mess with you. I just want you to, like, leave the Matrix and just, like, leave it to me. And then he was like, no. And he's like, okay, I guess we're just going to have to fight again. I can't explain it to you. I don't know what he wants. So can you guys explain to me in, in any way what his role in this movie is supposed to be? No way. What is his purpose in this movie? I would argue that the Matrix recreated him, or whoever makes the Matrix, right? And they made him... Anderson's boss to kind of like just keep him in his place and like, you know, be an antagonistic force. Oh, right. Yeah. No, no. Didn't they say something about the, like, yeah, we recreated the two people that changed you the most, right? Neo made the new Morpheus. And when he made him, he made him like part Morpheus, part Agent Smith. Oh, that's what it was. Yes. Okay. So he's got the duality. It had nothing to do with Groff. Right. But okay. that makes that makes this movie extra confusing to be like one character is 50% Agent <laughs> right. Smith. Mm -hmm. But there's also real Agent Smith, but by the way, he doesn't look like the same actor. Yeah, if anything, it should have been Yaya playing both roles and then, or something like that. For no reason at all. Why, why, why do we need Agent Smith to be a different looking guy, right? Can I also remind you guys, in the last Matrix movie, Agent Smith turned into like a fucking virus that took over the entire Matrix and they had to yeah. get Neo to come destroy him. So why yeah. the fuck, if you're making a new Matrix, do you put Agent Smith back in there and like make him a different yeah. dude just to keep yeah. Neo in his place? Just come up with anybody. Just don't put Agent Smith in there. He does not make sense in a logical way other than to just say Agent Smith is in this movie. He's the new Agent Smith, yeah. And then it doesn't make sense because it's not the original Agent Smith. It's a totally different guy. And then it doesn't make sense in the story. He doesn't have any purpose in the story. Yeah. I don't understand how anyone can look at this and say that this is okay. The reason you hate this movie this much is that you are thinking too much about it. I didn't even think about all this stuff. I just watched it and went, ah. <laughs> how can you not think about it? That would be like if there was a Star Wars movie and Darth Vader walked in for no fucking reason and like cut off a bunch of people's heads with a lightsaber and was like, later, bros. Imagine if in The Force Awakens, like, you know, Kylo Ren shows up. Imagine if Darth Vader walked into the scene he took his helmet off, but it it was still Adam Driver playing him. And someone was like, what's your name? He's like, I'm Darth Vader. And you'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> at least the people, at least J.J. Abrams was like, let's just call him Kylo Ren. He's clearly Darth Vader, but let's call him something different. Just call this guy something else. It seems like he sheathes the gun and then it activates something within him that makes him become Agent Smith. Like, what's the what was that trigger like that where he's like, I now must fulfill the role of 
It's like there's a ghost in the machine, like, you know, I don't know. I don't think he is always aware that he's Agent Smith. No, he's just pretending definitely not. to be the boss of a video game company, right? We forgot to mention the, like, office scene where this active shooter situation happens in the video game office, and it trips off the uh, sprinklers, so we get to this sort of rain fight, and, like, during this whole thing, suddenly Jonathan Groff goes, Mr. Anderson! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a good moment, even though you don't know what's happening. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, it's cool. But then only later, now I'm mad at it because you pointed out that it makes no sense. But at the time, I'm like, yeah, he's here. He's fucking Mr. Anderson. They kind of ruin it because earlier when he's like first talking with his boss, they in, they're like cutting to Agent Smith to let you know he's Agent Smith. Yeah, that's true. They give it that away. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of obvious. I, the part where he goes, Mr. Anderson! It was, I was sitting there, I was like, it's okay, Rodney. It's going to get better. This is going to get cooler. Don't worry about it. It's gonna. This movie's going to get awesome. This movie is a cringe fucking sandwich from beginning to end, guys. I'm sorry. It <laughs> is. There are so many cringy moments in this movie. I do not understand how people watch this movie and don't feel like, how the mighty have fallen. Like at one point, this filmmaker made the coolest movie that ever had happened. Yeah. What are you talking about? They're, like your entire slate of podcasts is them falling. I know. Yeah. It shouldn't be a surprise. You've talked about for a month how they've fallen. So I'm not surprised. So, you know, I'm watching this movie and going, this is what I expected. You know, I'm entertained. It's on HBO Max for free. It's so uncool, though. It's so uncool. The Matrix was so cool. This is not cool. Yeah, but then two and three made it uncool for me anyway. So, like, see, I'm or oh. my heart is has been torn apart by Matrix Three, Sebastian. So. You are now feeling what I felt when when Matrix 3 tore my Matrix heart asunder. It's just not edgy anymore. You know what I mean? Like everything that this movie is trying to tell you is edgy. They were never on the cutting edge of it. It's not edgy. There's no edge to this movie. It's just cringy and feels out of step. And just everything about it just feels like so out of date. And the jokes aren't funny. And it's just terrible. I just don't understand how people like it. Continue, Sebastian. I feel like we won't use that word in here. Like, like I feel like I am the analyst and you're just like ranting and I'm like, I'm helping you through your issues. You guys know how hard I try to like movies. I mean, you, you give me shit for it all the time. Like, I really want to like this movie. I don't give you shit for, for like wanting to like something. Come on. Well, Rodney does. Oh, I definitely do. I appreciate it, Sebastian. Just like... I hated it. I'll watch it 20 more times until I start to like it. I'll Manchurian candidate myself. Sebastian, <laughs> how do you think you're, you're, I know you're peaking on hate right now. Do you think this will subside into anything else? Or do you think you'll hate this movie for the rest of your life? I dislike this movie so bad that I'm breaking one of my cardinal rules in life. I will not purchase this to go with my Matrix set. Mm -hmm. I do not accept this as a Matrix movie. That's how little I like it. That's your line in the sand. Okay, cool. Yeah. To me, you have those three movies. That's it. I'm going to buy it for you. <laughs> Please gonna... don't. I actually plan to just sort of like never watch it again, right? Because like, I also agree. To me, this it's not my Matrix. This is not actually part of the story. To yeah. me, the Matrix ends after part three. Maybe like 10 years from now, I could see having some night where I'm like, maybe I'll rewatch them all and I have forgotten. Again, I don't hate this movie. I just found it so not for me 
that I just, I don't want to like think about it. You know what I mean? Like, again, I just, I liked it more than both of you. There are great moments, not great moments. There are enjoyable moments. Yeah. I feel like if I kept watching it, I'd start to just hate it with each viewing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm expressing to you my frustrations with the movie and it's coming across like I hate it. I don't hate it. Really? Sure seems like you do. I do kind of hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hate it. That's okay. You hate yeah, it. let I the hate it. flow. It's okay. You can hate it. You can hate it right now. Like I totally get why you hate it. I think just some some of the stuff that isn't action related, like some of the some of the themes and like the moments, they're working for me in an unexpected way. Yeah. And I'm I'm awarding points in those categories. I'm like I wasn't expecting this, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. I'm all for unexpected things, but I kind of wish you had delivered on the things I was expecting. It's one thing to subvert expectations, which I feel is like this buzzword now for good movie. Like, oh, if it subverts your expectations, it must be good. But it's like sometimes you can subvert expectations and it can be bad. And especially if you don't deliver on something else that like you really wanted. The whole point of subverting an expectation is to be like, oh, you thought you wanted this but we gave you this and you liked that even better. Not just surprise and and make them hate it. Yeah. Right. It's not like, Hey, you wanted a delicious steak and here's a turd in a fucking onion roll. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I want everyone to stop subverting my expectations. Please just give me exactly what I expect, but do it cool. Right. Right. I don't want to go see the new Creed film and they're just like, there's no boxing in it, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Were your expectations subverted? Fuck you. Why, you know why I'm here. He opens up a bakery, and it's all <laughs> about, like, his trials as a baker. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like chef, right? <laughs> Didn't think that was going to happen, did you? <laughs> we got gotcha. you. Yeah, and the whole time they're trying to get him back in the ring, and then he just never goes he the just, entire like, time. He... You keep expecting. You're like, for the third act, he's finally going to get into the ring. He's like, nope, I'm doing the bakery. And then I really like, thought about your offer, and I got to tell you, I still have to pass. Thank you. <laughs> I will not be fighting. I am a baker now. <laughs> End of movie. And, and like, dun, 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 dun. You see him, like, rolling dough. <laughs> Baking little like cakes. <laughs> Razzin' up! <laughs> Razzin' up! Exactly! <laughs> With the yeast. Yeah, actually, this is amazing. Whoever, if, you, if you're listening, you have the power to make this happen, please. All right. Well, let's talk about another scene that I found terrible. And that was where Neo goes to Trinity's garage because yeah. Trinity in this world is a motorcycle repair person, I guess, or something. She loves motorcycles. After that highway chase, she held on to a love for Ducati motorcycles. Let's talk just a little bit about the central romance, which is such a big part of this movie and we've sort of glossed over it. And I will say Well, it's not like my heart is swelling every time they're together. I mean, it's funny because we talked about in the original movies how this was the weakest part of the the trilogy. Now it's the best part of this movie that's telling you something. I agree. Yeah, they're fine. They're actually giving time to it, though, because and like you... The nostalgia factor of seeing them both on screen again does trigger you. And so you're like, 
I want them to be together. Sure. And I think it, it's the strongest part of this movie, like you said, where it was the weakest before. Yeah, seeing these two actors together and having this sort of like addendum to their characters is, is all of that is fine. And they're, you know, they're doing a good job, both Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss in these scenes. I honestly don't think Keanu yes. is great in every scene. I think he's no. really uneven a lot of the time. And I certainly don't feel like he's Neo. And I guess he's not supposed to be. He's supposed to be Thomas Anderson or whatever, but I feel his performance is uneven. But whenever he's with Carrie Ann, their scenes are good. But the analyst shows up, and then we learn that he's using bullet time to control Neo or something. And like he makes him freeze, and he like. Is that what it shoot- is? Yes. He's like, isn't it ironic? The very power you are known for, he says this, by the way, the very thing you are known for, bullet time, I'm using against you first of all was that what neo was known for in the matrix was everybody like he's the best user of bullet time that i've ever seen yeah that's so dumb wow i didn't even think of that now the meta meta went wrong yeah that's not right it wasn't like morpheus was like use your bullet time neo well but when he made the video game but in the video game yeah 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 sure i understand what you're saying sebastian that's a legit gripe and it's pretty stupid here's the thing i couldn't help but think about the scene in matrix one with the woman in the red dress right where they like freeze Mm. and they're like walking around And I have to compare it to that scene from like 1996. And somehow this looks worse. Way worse. Like the thing you've been building to is like, you want to know what's cooler than bullet time? What if everything's in slow motion, but Neil Patrick Harris walks in normal time? Yeah. That's the big exciting thing in the movie? Fuck off. What are you talking about? I don't know if they were necessarily saying that. No, Chris, they like at t- two other times in the movie, they talk about what's going to be the bullet time of this movie. Right, but is Lana Wachowski really saying, like, this is the part that's supposed to blow your mind? That's how I interpreted it. That's how Sebastian had heard it. That's how my wife heard it. Sebastian, that's how you heard it? That this was supposed to be the big special effects extravaganza scene? No, no. I mean, it's yeah. it's just the scene where they're going to, like, try to pay off the whole bullet time thing. Sebastian, you say, you say what I want you to say, and I want you to say... <laughs> it's a bad scene. Let's just say that, yes. Look, guys, at this point, I'm just so utterly disappointed in everything. Like, I'm off the ride. That's funny. This is where I start to really, like, want to get off the ride. Okay. Because I feel like third act problems is, like, the name of the game here. I feel like they throw out all the rules. If we can skip ahead, Sebastian, like, they throw out all the rules of pulling somebody out of the Matrix for, like, no reason. Right. None of it makes sense. And you're like, wait a minute. They can unplug, but then somebody else has to get plugged in at the same time, and then, but she has to choose, I get that she has to choose, they can't just pull somebody out of the Matrix without them, without their consent, but the rest of the mechanics of the third act are completely... Bullshit? Yes, are complete bullshit. (laughs) So, yeah, Neil Patrick Harris, okay, he shows up, and he's like, I'm gonna walk around in slow motion, and this is when he, like, to back up, because I do want to talk about that, but he, he explains, help me out here, basically... Neo and Trinity, their love is like actually magic and it generates like power. 
Yes. Yes. It's the thing powering the Matrix. Love is the greatest power in the universe. Don't you know that, Rodney? I've I've read some books about it, I guess. <laughs> but you've never felt it in real life. I no, I <laughs> If you if you had felt true love, Rodney, you would understand that it's enough to power the Matrix. Yeah, there's something between Neo and Trinity that's so powerful that the energy generated by them being in proximity to one another but not able to touch is creating this incredible amount of power, so much power that it's powering this new matrix. And that's why Neil Patrick Harris cannot allow them to be together because they must be in close proximity but not (laughs) be together. But also their lives have to be like just depressing enough. They have to be so depressed that they almost want to commit suicide and they have to like carefully adjust those dials, right? I was just sitting there, I was like, the whole plot of this movie is that? That's what the movie is? I'll, again, yes. I'll I'll buy it because there is there is something magical about Neo, how he can like affect electricity in the real world and blah, blah, blah. He's magical. I'll buy it. But that is kind of weird. They're also trying to set up this idea that Trinity has always been as powerful as Neo all along. Good point. That yeah. they're they're not really the one. They're the two. They're a dyad in the force. Exactly. Oh, shit. You're right. That is what it is. And she's going to be this equal to him, the yin to his yan or whatever you want to say it is. That's why, like, she can fly at the end, you know, before he can, which I'm fine with all of that. Trinity is awesome. And I like that they're sort of leveling her up to being as important as him. I'm totally cool with all of that. Honestly, it's dumb. But like in this movie, this doesn't bug me that much because I've already gone so far down the rabbit hole, pun intended, that I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's their love powering the Matrix. I'm okay with it. I, I I think it's a little dumb, but I could go with it. The fact that it's all really about them makes it work. The problem I have with it is just like, again, like what are the stakes here? Are the stakes just like, oh, is it it'd be horrible if Neo and Trinity can't be together? Yeah, yeah. The the stake is like you're stuck with two annoying kids and a right. and a husband named Chad. Fucking ditch that shit for Keanu Reeves. Like that's the ultimate tragedy. <laughs> right. I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling as we enter this climax. Like we're doing all this rush around and we've got this like Ocean's Eleven style. We've got to break a fucking Trinity out and like thank goodness. One thing you guys must have been psyched about and i know that i was was that our favorite character sati was back yes sati Woo! that was a cool that was a payoff from the third one that was a good surprise wait you guys actually liked this i did i did yeah i mean like i mean the ages were right and it made sense like i was like okay i don't know i thought it was a cool way to get another connection into the previous films i had you know i was like hey i wasn't expecting this right that's all it was yeah yeah but once she starts talking i'm like this makes no sense <laughs> oh my god the techno babble that they go into here it's like some serious yeah. star trek shit where they're talking about like all the different like mechanisms that are going on in the, the magneto convertible <laughs> punch yeah like what is this the time to like lean into this stuff like why can't you just be like well yeah we got to go break trinity out of her pod well that's what i thought i thought like they switched from hardline telephones to mirrors so i was like oh they got to get trinity out through a mirror because that's what happens on the train like there's like a small mirror i thought the whole time they're like we got to escape so that we can get through a mirror and then she can like her consciousness will leave the matrix and be fine 
but that's not what they were doing. And like at the very end, they just unplug her anyway. And I'm like, she didn't go through a mirror. Like, like I, I totally lost. Bugs is like getting hooked into her somehow Why? to keep her alive or something. Why? Yeah, they try to explain it. Why? What? This was like the fourth time in the movie when I said to myself, oh, this is when the movie is going to get awesome. <laughs> because they're like, you got to get Trinity out. And they're like, that's impossible. She's like in the biggest, most secure tower, swarming with sentinels. And the red pill won't work or something like that, and right? I was like, oh, shit, they're going to do like a Matrix heist. This right. is going to be amazing. Except the whole thing is about two and a half minutes long, maybe five minutes total. And it's literally just like particle Morpheus like goes into like a drain or whatever. They like She's like, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. And then go through a drain and then you're in the thing. Like, that's all you got to do. Yep. I was like, oh, we're not going to do an action scene here either, are we? <laughs> okay. Right. Like every opportunity to do something cool, they don't do it. They just don't do anything cool. It kind of calls back to my one one of my complaints with Matrix 2 is like when they go do like the blow up the power plant sequence, right? And like, it's just sort of like a montage as Morpheus is explaining what they yeah. need to do. But that version is like kind of cool and they're doing it again here, but it's just like, is it Seti? Sati? I don't know. Sati. Sati. She is explaining what they have to do while they're doing it. So she's just explaining to you, the viewer. Yeah, it's the Ocean's Eleven gag. Right. Right, right. But it doesn't really make for good drama. Why not, like, watch Ocean's Eleven and see what they do and then come up with a cool sequence where you do something like that? And there's nothing for them to accomplish in the Matrix other than survive until they pull her out? Well, first, they've got to make Trinity choose to actually make the choice. Oh, right. Right, but as soon as she remembers she's Trinity, why can't they just unplug her already? Once she's like, I'm fucking Trinity, I want out. They have to complicate the climax and put other characters in there and have them do stuff. Stuff. They get her out. I get. I. I still don't totally understand the like unplugger, a plug into bugs. And... I don't either. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, I asked my super fan. He didn't know either. So, like, <laughs> if the super fan can't answer the question, then you know it makes no sense. But let's talk about the Trinity must choose sequence, which takes place in the coffee shop that's called Simulate. Very clever. Simulate. I love Simulate. That's good. I think it's dumb, but whatever. It's almost as good as Cypher Steakhouse. No, Cypher Steakhouse is way better than Simulate. <laughs> Well, Simulate can be can be a little like tiny coffee house right next to it. I'll give you Simulate. It's pretty clever. However, we're having a big climactic fight scene in a fucking Starbucks. This is the cool setting we're going to have our climax, not a cool chateau or like, you know, a crazy club or anything, a fucking Starbucks like that's how middle-aged we are. Yeah, this isn't this her critique of uh, you know, Sequel retro movie making. I look forward to Matrix 8 where it's just full on. We're doing it in a nursing home now. Like, <laughs> At this point, I kind of stopped telling myself this movie is going to get awesome. But I, I was like, this has got to be the big one. They've been saving all the money for the final Escape the Matrix action scene. And I don't know how they let me down again, but... Man, I, I really don't like this ending. I really don't. I'm going to disagree with you over one thing. There's one thing that I think is pretty awesome. Okay. But this whole segment in the simulate is pretty painful because it's like Trinity choose to come with me or whatever. And then she's like, I don't know. And then like Chad and her kids come in and they're like... <laughs> Tiffany, you've got to come help us. Your daughter got run over by a truck or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, 
And she's like, mm, I should probably go. And then like Neo's like, really? And then she's like, no, I'll stay. And then like the fucking analyst shows up and then he starts talking. And then like whatever goes on here is just so incomprehensible and bad. And it's supposed to be like an action sequence. When she finally becomes Trinity and she does the backwards kick. Right, she you does know, the scorpion. Like, that's a That's a good... Yeah, moment, you know. You know what I do think is is funny here? There's like thousand SWAT team people, right? And there's like the analyst, and there's clearly like some shit going down. And there's this one moment where like it cuts to like the barista, right? And he's just sort of like there. And I'm like, is that dude like he he seems totally chill with the fact that this is going down? That's the setup A Smith like possessing him, right? Yeah. Oh, you're right. And then, yeah, Smith shows up and, like, gets involved or whatever. And, like, I don't know. He is on Neo's side. On Neo's side. Right. And then he's like, that he, he defeats the analyst or whatever. I, I'm, I'm not holding any of this together because at this point I'm so checked out. I'm not following who does what to whom because I think it's all just so terrible. But then Smith shows up and saves the day, I guess, for the moment. And then he's like, well, my work here is done and this ends our partnership. And I'm like, what have you been doing in this movie? Like, and this is, uh, uh, this is him leaving. Uh, Let me tell you a thing I really hated. So I'm pretty sure Agent Smith kills the analyst, right? He shows up and like stabs him, slits his throat or cuts him up or whatever. And he disappears into like a green cloud of matrix numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's cool. I I hated the, like, I'm like, like, why wouldn't it be blood, right? Like, why wouldn't it? I feel like they've been doing that this whole time though. Like there's no. been, like, people have been, no, Where? the zombies when? like fall down and then you see like glitches of matrix every time they're like, doing something it almost it was like like matrix code was blood in this new matrix i feel like that's a thing they had been doing like fine again you can tell me it's a new version of the matrix and they they changed that setting right but like mm. it just felt like warner brothers being like don't want to have too much blood in our r-rated action films so what <laughs> if they bleed green digital numbers you know but whatever so he i like this is what i'm saying i've i've watched it twice i cannot remember what happens in this like latte store i can't either it's very confusing as i recall agent smith shows up he kills the analyst and then everyone turns into a swarm and we get like the world's most mediocre action scene car chase motorcycle thing which can't hold a candle to the highway no, no. chase and matrix reloaded well, he's doing force stuff while she's like yes. Riding around. Some of those shots are pretty cool. Yeah. Again, we get some shots that are cool. I agree. Where he uses the force field on a car and it stops and sort of implodes and then they go over it. But the best scene in this movie, which it cracks me up, is this couple are just sleeping in their bed or whatever. <laughs> and oh. then the guy like wakes up and is like, what's going on outside? And then he just goes like, <laughs> and turns into like a swarm zombie and he fucking dives out the window. And like we follow him out the window and then he smashes into like a car or whatever. It's fucking hilarious. I love it. And then all the the swarm just starts taking over people and just having them like nose dive into the street. So we're just getting like suicides everywhere of people throwing themselves at Neo and Trinity. Almost as good as the happening. Exactly. It's totally the happening. Yeah. I do like that. I, I, I like the part where everyone's jumping out the window. It's cool. It's at least an idea, you know? Yeah. Yes. Like, that was, I was like, Hey, this is original. 
I feel like bullets would still be better, but like I guess right. <laughs> I guess he can stop bullets, but he can't stop falling bodies. Uh, That's one of my other critiques. Is like he he never seems to like run out of force juju. Whereas like you know like sometimes like Yoda will like lift up an X wing and then be like oh. That was all my, you know, energy. He's like, he's stopping mm-hmm. stuff, moving stuff, and he's never really, like, ever, like, running out of the energy. So you're like, well, you can just stop anything, can't you? Like, it's, they never really add any dramatic weight to, like, or limits to his powers. And I feel like that would have been a better thing where, like, when the, especially when the helicopters are shooting him, he should have been like, I can't hold it or, you know, just anything, you know, just to indicate that he's losing a little bit yeah yeah well he can't fly i guess that's their right yeah that did you think that was funny when he tries and he's just like <laughs> yeah he's like that's not gonna happen yeah i mean there were some moments with keanu neo where he's like i, I know kung fu again or whatever i still, I still know, kung, know fu. kung fu that was pretty bad like that was, <laughs> i said that so because i thought you would hate it but okay i'll take what i can get in this movie okay those weren't the most cringy moments okay, okay. by far. But yeah, so we get this big action sequence and we end up in uh, another building and they go to the top of the building and shoot down a helicopter by making its missiles go into the other helicopter and shit. And then they jump off the building and Neo can't fly, but Trinity can. There's this weird part in that where they're just kind of like hanging there in the air. Yes. And in some ways it looks cool because it almost looks like they really had people hanging. It did look like it. Yeah. But you can feel the weight. It's They're not CG models. Yeah, they're real... The, the actors are doing it. I mean, they're doing it like three feet off a green screen yes, floor. Yes, but know? it's well done. I feel like it, it didn't take me out of it. I felt like whatever they sure. did, they they did it properly. And, you know, the lighting worked and everything. I, I bought it. They are going to fly off together. And now they're not the one, but they're the two. But then they like go back to the analyst because he's back at his house or whatever, even though like, there's like a big hole in the wall. And they're like we're going to make some changes around here. And they have this sort of scene with him. And his cat. Oh, right. We forgot to talk about his cat, Deja Vu. That was the best part of the movie for me. Yeah, he's a good cat. And he said that Keanu hated the cat, but then at the very end, Keanu is holding and petting the cat. So Keanu didn't hate the cat. I think that was a misdirection by the analyst. Look, and I get why Keanu isn't wearing his cool, like, monk's robe or anything, but his wardrobe in this movie is so, like schlubby like he's just wearing like a t-shirt and he's got kind of like a long coat at one point and then at the end he's kind of wearing like a cool outfit where i'm like okay now i guess he's neo again or whatever and trinity's got some sort of leathery thing on at this point but i mean just in terms of outfits i felt like the outfits were kind of disappointing the only one showing any style in this whole movie is morpheus yeah. Can I tell you a really nerdy nitpick? Sure. That's why you're here, Rodney. This is that's your title, like the nerdy nitpicker. Is that my title, the nerdy nitpicker? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like I could. That's my brand name. Okay. Well, <laughs> early in the film, the analyst. This is before you know Neo is even leaves the Matrix, but he tells Neo. He says, "You believe the Matrix stuff so much that like you even put my cat into your video game, The Matrix, right?" But he wouldn't have been seeing the analyst. When he made the Matrix video games. Ah. Right? Yes. He only started seeing the Matrix, the guy after the Matrix trilogy video games came out. 
So that rubbed me the wrong way. So what is real? Maybe that is the answer to the whole thing. Maybe you know something that we don't. And also, I have a question about the whole Thomas Anderson killing himself thing, right? Oh, I have big questions. We're being told this whole movie that at some point he tried to kill himself, and he tried to kill himself by walking off a building. And the Bugs character, the reason why she realizes that he's Neo, because remember, he doesn't look like Neo, the reason why she's figured out he's Neo is because at one point she was like a window washer and she just happened to look up and Thomas Anderson was taking his walk off the side of the building. Like, it looks like right after he won, like, the Oscar for the, right. the uh, like, yeah. the, the video game. It's the video game awards, yeah. Right, he's like, fuck this, I'm gonna kill myself right now. And so, what happened? That's true, yeah. Like, did she save him, or...? No, because that was my first question. I was like, they don't actually show what happened. And his foot is off. I mean, he's yeah. Yeah. off. So I, I really paid attention on the second viewing. And when she tells the story, she says, you should have fallen, but you didn't. Right, okay. And that's the only explanation you get. The idea is that she looked up, and instead of seeing an old man, she saw Neo. And I guess in her mind, she's a window washer living in the Matrix, so she would have said... That dude is about to jump looks like the same dude from that video game that's successful. <laughs> and oh my God, he didn't fall. He floated. The video game must be real. Therefore, I'm going to go seek answers. And that's how she got freed, right? Yes, and then yes. she was like, I'm going to go free him. But it's never explained what did the other people on the roof think? <laughs> yeah, if everyone saw him walk on water or walk on air, they'd be like, that's fucking Neo, right? Or I That's my question. So I imagine the analyst like did like a little reset and someone right. was like, did you, uh, did you remember to reset everyone? He's like, I'm pretty sure. Except the window washers too. Forgot right. about the window yeah. washer. <laughs> oh, yep. that's good. That's the only possible explanation. There's no other explanation that works. I cannot believe... I don't even understand the thinking behind why wouldn't you show him floating? Like, why wouldn't you make a meal out of that moment, right? Yeah. I don't... I just can't understand... It's subverting your expectations. Ah, that's true. <laughs> you were thinking you were going to get one thing, but you got another one. <laughs> wait, wait. We, we promised we would talk about why they look like different people. Can I get an answer? Why do they look like different people? The only reason I can possibly think of is that that makes it harder to figure out who neo is that he doesn't look like neo but again like they completely fuck this up because it, when they're in the coffee shop when neo and tiffany are in the coffee shop together they show her reflection on the coffee shop table and she's a woman with like gray long hair looks nothing like trinity why the fuck does she think that it's her in the video game I, yeah, I, I literally, because she says, like, I told my husband, I think I look like your Trinity. And I'm like, you look nothing like her, right? Right. Unless she actually sees herself as older Carrie Ann Moss, then I'd be like, yeah, you're clearly her, right? I just don't understand the point. And does Neo see her? I assume Neo sees her as the gray-haired woman, right? No, he must see her as Trinity. That's the thing. Like, he can see what she really looks like, the residual self-image or whatever, whereas, like, you know, he's seeing the true self. Right. And that, like, sometimes that true self can come through 
and then, you know, someone might be able to see it. Okay, so let's say the movie is saying that they look like this to everyone else. Right, and like bugs could see him as Neo, so like right, occasionally right. people do see the sure, truth. Okay. Some people see the truth, but they see themselves as they truly are. So Tiffany is going home to her husband and being like, I look exactly like this girl in the video game, even though she looks nothing like him. Wouldn't he be like, he laughed. you're having some sort of mental breakdown? You I think I think you actually nailed it. When Trinity looks in a mirror, she sees Carrie Ann Moss. That's what she sees. Yes. So when she looks, when she plays the video game, she would be like, this Trinity character looks exactly like <laughs> she yeah. looks like a younger version of me. And then she says she told her husband and her husband laughed, laughed at her. Right. So I guess that scene does make sense. Sure. Except it's totally unnecessary. <laughs> Why don't they just look like themselves and they don't remember who they are? Right. I literally don't understand other than the matrix makers are worried that some fan is going to come up to neo on the street and be like hey thomas anderson you look like the guy in your video game it must be real we must be in the matrix <laughs> and he'd be like i never thought of that you're right yeah it's like this idea like oh we have to conceal their identities but there's no reason to maybe it makes it harder for the for the zion or the real world people to enter the matrix and find him See, that's the thing. Like, they, they don't know who Neo is because he looks like some old guy. Yes. They have to go by the code. They do say that. Yeah. They do say that it was hard to figure out who he was because they even looked in the registry. They looked through all the different Thomas Andersons. Right. Which also, why not just give him another name? <laughs> Hiding in plain sight, you know, that's not him. Why does he have to be Thomas Anderson? They come up with reasons for things, okay? But it doesn't all tie add together. Like, no, you can come up with fucking reasons, but if it doesn't really make sense, then it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you can th drop a line in there and say that this explains it, but it doesn't. It doesn't explain it because you start pulling at this movie and any little thread that's sticking out of this movie, the cool suit that Morpheus is wearing comes apart because you keep pulling at it and it's like none of this fucking makes sense. And it clearly is a movie that was made with no real passion to make it. Fair it enough. was an obligation and it was an obligation that Lana Wachowski was like, well, I'm going to at least try to say some things. I'm going to at least try to put in some interesting things I care about in here. And that's fine. She felt like she had to do it for whatever reason. She was dealing with this um, grief from losing her parents and she thought, well, maybe I can use that to make something out of this. But in the end, this movie does not justify its existence at all i wish it didn't exist and i rarely say that i'm usually like whatever i don't care but like this movie kind of wrecks the party for me like it's like now i gotta think about this movie when i'm thinking about the matrix i'm only glad that it exists in that i can finally say to people you can't tell me that you don't like part three anymore right you can't tell me part three <laughs> isn't pretty fucking awesome in comparison I can. You you like this better than part three? Chris. Way better. Yeah. This, this, Holy this fuck. This is so much better than number three for me. No I love... wonder you like Cruella. I don't I don't know what world you're <laughs> living in, man. Yeah. I, I feel like the my expectations on this were knocked down by Sebastian, who was like, bring it way down right before I saw it. So I was like, okay, fine. I watched the first hour, which was solidly meta entertaining for me, and then fell asleep like Sebastian did that first time. And then I feel like, Oh, I should have stayed awake the whole time because by going to sleep, the movie turned to shit because <laughs> when I woke up and watched the rest, I was like, 
that wasn't nearly as good as that first hour that I remembered. And then, so this is more entertaining and light than The Matrix 3, which to me was like a pounding, like battle fatigue, which just upset me so much that this one, I can, it just washes over me like water. It's a slick, well-made movie. And I enjoy oh, I just like <laughs> Yaya as, as Morpheus so much that it just like, and really just Lana's explanation of being like, look, I wanted to make this so that like some other asshole didn't ruin my franchise. I that gave me carte blanche for her that I'm just like, okay, that's fine. So I didn't expect much out of this movie at all. And to me, it was fine. We got to just talk about two more things. Go for it. Okay. First of all, the movie ends, they fly off and we get this terrible rage against the machine cover. Uh, It's terrible. I kind of like it. I thought it was really bad. It's not as good as the original. Obviously, I can say that. I didn't like it. But what I really didn't like... (laughs) was this fucking stinger credit. Like, this is the part where I felt like Lana Wachowski was giving me the middle finger. Yeah, it definitely was. I've stayed through the whole end of the movie, and we get this stinger where two of these video game bros are spitballing ideas that they've got a cool new idea for the cat tricks, because people love cat videos, so we're gonna do the cat tricks. Like, fucking cat videos? Like, are you fucking serious? A cat video joke? I listened to Slate Spoiler Podcast, and like, this woman was on, a trans woman was on, and she loved the movie, she loved everything about the movie, and like, Dana Stevens, the co-host, was totally softballing her. I'm sorry, but like I could tell Dana Stevens didn't like the movie. She's usually pretty hard on shit like this. So, She's yeah. really hard on movies. And this woman just loved everything about this movie. And like fair enough to her. She obviously feels, you know, very connected to Lana Wachowski and everything. And that's great. That's great. But she was making excuses for every terrible thing about the movie. And then she gets to this. And I'm like, okay, please do not excuse the cat joke at the end of the movie and she's like it was great great it's like lana wachowski was rick rolling everybody like and i'm like are you fucking serious like you should be pissed i would have preferred a real rick roll it would that would have been better like that actually would have been great like just do it yeah that would have moved this on to top 10 territory it just ended with that look i i agree i agree with you sebastian no one can defend that well people are defending it And this is why I know I'm not living in the Matrix. I'm living in a horrible world where I don't understand what people think is enjoyable. Sebastian, you and this this does tie into the Matrix a bit, but you really live in a world where people bend their perception of reality to make it fit what they want reality to be. We see it all the time. And I think there, there is a large group of people who wanted to like the Matrix Resurrection so much that they just convinced themselves that they liked it. Even though when they close their eyes at night as they're drifting off, they know it's bad. That happens all the time. Like the first three times I saw all the prequels, I was like, they're great just because it's Star Wars. And and then of course they're terrible. But like, yeah, that happens all the time. I'm guilty of that myself. Look, people like things for whatever reason they like things. Mm -hmm. If your reason for liking this movie is that you just really think Lana Wachowski is awesome because of who she is, and who she is is awesome. Lana Wachowski is awesome. But if you 
just want to like this movie because you love her. You love the idea of the Matrix. You loved the first movie. You love the whole meta thing about it. Like, fair enough. And I always say this, like, if you like the movie, you win. Okay? Like, yeah. just because I think it's a giant piece of shit. <laughs> if you love this movie and you're like, I got so much enjoyment out of this, you 100% you win. You win, you win, you win. Good on you. But I do not see it. I do not understand how you can think this is a good movie. I understand how you can derive some enjoyment from it here or there. But to walk away from it and say, that was great. And I'm hearing people say that. I am hearing people say, this is an incredible movie. Like, I've had to stop listening to some podcasts because I'm like, I cannot believe you are defending this. And like, in some cases... People are being sort of half and half, and there's some cases where people are being really hard on it. I know that's happening, too. But I'm just like, what is going on that so many people are okay with this? And it's got like a 63% positive on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like... These people are paid to review movies, to like be critical about movies. Like, how can you look at this movie and not see like that it's a fucking disaster? That it's a disaster. The only thing this reminds me of is was Phantom Menace. Like when Phantom Menace happened, I was like, that movie was so fucking bad. And I had so many people being like, that movie was great. Like it was just like this like weird brainwashing or something where I'm like, did you not watch that movie? It was terrible. Well, it's a franchise. That's what you're you're getting residual love from all of those three movies built into it. That's what happens with franchises. People just want more of want to be in that world more with those characters. Sure, so I understand that feeling. It's fairly obvious why people aren't looking deep enough. You're looking way deep into this and you're only pain will you find there, Sebastian. Like, you know, you're you're a true fan but for doing this and you're only getting hurt because of that. Where I think as most of these people who love the Matrix aren't looking as deep and are critical as you are and just they do turn the blind eye because they wanna enjoy their franchise and Sure. That's the way people are, you know, and and it's a very slick movie. And so I think people are just being like, oh, that was visually exciting. It's kind of in the same way that Michael Bay gets away with his movies where it's like shiny, 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 you know, and then so people see the slick Mm. presentation and then and they and they enjoy it. I think many people are just comforted by bathing in the waters of nostalgia. Right. Mm -hmm. And just the opportunity to sit with the Matrix again. Yeah washes this warm feeling over them and it colors their viewing of it. The Michael Bay thing, that's a whole other thing, but like that dude's a good director. His comedy might be out of place, but like pick a Michael Bay movie and I'll point to an action scene in it that's way better than anything in this movie. Definitely. When I go see Michael Bay, he gives me the thing that I have come for. That's why I don't get upset at Michael Bay movies because I go expecting, I go for the thing and I get the thing. And when people are like, Oh, well, the jokes were bad. I'm like, of course they were bad. It's a Michael Bay movie. It, but that's I got what I wanted. No, I think you're hitting on something there. I think it's like a nostalgia is playing a huge part of it. And I understand what you're saying there, too, Chris, about the whole franchise thing. And for the most part, like I can get there with a lot of franchises I love. Like I'm, I'm pretty easy on all the alien, bad alien sequels because I just love alien. Right. But there's a point where... Something is so bad, and I'm not saying this is really the true intention of this movie, but feels like, fuck you for being a fan. 
And that's what this feels like. I to see me. it. Because it's like, I'm not going to give you the action that you crave. You're not going to get any adrenaline rush. Like, because that's one of the things that I love about the matrix is fucking, you know, like we talked about the fucking freeway chase. Like, you know, I'm fucking pumped. Like I did not feel anything like that in any single scene in this movie. And like, I feel like it's just kind of doing the whole mythology and franchise a disservice. Like, I didn't realize how much I valued the Matrix mythology until I saw this movie, because I'm like, this hurts me. Yeah, it felt like it's it's half baked and then just enough ideas. It's like a first draft where it's like, all right, here's a bunch of ideas that won't pay off because like you could tell that she maybe would have brought them to fruition if she had more time or more movies but i hear what you're saying can you understand my view of of like enjoying it on a very superficial level and not looking at all the you know mistakes sure one i'm not including you guys in this group of people that i'm talking about because you guys are like you're saying what you like and you're you know you're you're being honest about the flaws and stuff i'm talking about people that i've been listening to on podcasts who are like it's amazing (laughs) and like every time one of these things will come up they'll like justify it like it's great that it's bad because it's not what you expect right it's subverting your expectations (laughs) you're not taking crazy pills sebastian you're right i wish I mean, if I could, I wish I loved this movie. I wish I watched this and said, this is actually the best Matrix film. Me too. I was so tempted to say that on this podcast. <laughs> it's my favorite, guys. But like, can all the rational people just be real? This is the weakest Matrix movie. And Chris, I don't want to hear your arguments. This is definitely the weakest Matrix movie. It's a big letdown. This one hurt me less than Matrix 3. Okay, I get that. I get that comment. I will allow I like this better than Matrix Revolutions. What I will not allow is I would like this better than Matrix Reloaded. And I have heard people say that. And when I hear that... That's insane. My soul fills with an inconsolable rage, and I want to completely destroy the internet and make sure that no one can ever do anything again online there are probably people who saw the matrix reloaded and afterwards were like man i really hated that car chase but the scene where he talks with the mayor about how the water (laughs) machine works really loved it i want more of that there's got to be somewhere who's someone out there who said that there is someone who said that there's probably a whole (laughs) facebook group that says that like you know You know, hey, you're, you're right. If you loved it, then you win. Well, yeah, if, if you're out there and you're listening and you're just filled with inconsolable rage because I've been hard on the Matrix and my co-hosts have been, I think, reasonable and hard on the Matrix, then you're probably really pissed. The thing that I can say to you, dear listeners, to give you comfort is there are tons of podcasts out there that are just showering praises on this terrible, terrible movie. So you can go listen to them and they will validate all of your opinions that you didn't get validated here. All right, well, for our uh, loyal listeners, we just want to let everybody know that the first episode of Tentpole Triumph is up. It is the special for patrons only podcast that we are going to try to do one episode a month. So 
If you want to sign up for our Patreon uh, club for whatever amount of money you want to give, it doesn't have to be a lot of money. It can be two bucks. You will get a free podcast every month where we discuss movies that did not fail, but movies that had a lot stacked against them and managed to succeed in a big way. And we're kicking it off with a review of Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. My wife, Jennifer, is not a big fantasy fan, so uh, we bought the 4Ks of that, and I made her watch it, and we discussed it. And I think it turned out to be a pretty great discussion. So please sign up for Patreon and get that review if you want to. And we want to thank our new patrons, Phil D from Cincinnati, Beth T from Seattle, Suzanne Y from Florida, and Paul R from Melbourne, Australia. We actually have uh, listeners in Australia. That's pretty cool. Thanks for joining me, you guys. Um, I'm going to stop listening to my therapist and stop taking my meds and steal someone's spouse. And then I'm going to go throw myself off a building. That's dark, but thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks, man. That about does it today for Tentpole Trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoletrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.